Okay, guys, right before the show, just letting you know, good show. Now, we had a lot of straight conversation, but you know what? We threw it on the back for the most part. So the beauty is you can listen or not listen. We go through the top five teams. AJ's got a couple of strong takes. I like it when he goes strong. Real quick here, about 30 seconds, we got a coupon. Right? And what's it celebrating? It's celebrating the Hall of Fame game this Thursday coming out. Football, at, baby. Football is here, and we're giving you 25% off anything. Now, what's the code? It's HOF, which Hall of Fame, 25. So it's five characters, HOF, 25, two and a five. Now, 25% off anything. It's good only through Monday. Don't wait. Now, what's the uses of this? Hey, there's Hall of Fame game picks. You can grab one of those at a nice discount on Thursday or 25% is a good time to look at the big packages in the NFL, the combo, all of it. Hey, the season's here. If you buy now, you're getting a cheaper price than if you buy later. That's our rule. We make it more expensive as the season approaches because commitments to us mean you get a bigger discount. You will not get a cheaper time than right now. You throw 25% on top of it. Why not? HOF 25. Here comes the show. It's part two of the college football preseason preview. A.J. Hoffman, college football specialist. We also have in today's top five, so we're going with team number five, four, three, two, and then, of course, one. At the end. In Casey Kasem order (laughs) is how I like to call it. I still remember one of my favorite moments of childhood, really. Nah, it might have been 2021. And... Uh, there, uh, WDVE was a famous station out of Pittsburgh. It was like WMMS is out of Cleveland. Those are the two most famous uh, stations in the Ohio, Pennsylvania. Yeah. You know, like Detroit had their station. The rock station? Yeah. These okay. were, cla- you know, well, they weren't even classic rock. They were just rock stations at yeah. the time. Yeah. So, like, MMS was a uh, huge. Kid Leo was the I- I've heard of MMS, yeah. And, and Kid Leo is a fa- In fact, if you go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Kid Leo is all over it. Okay. Know? And um, he was a big supporter of Bruce initially. And it's interesting. A lot of those DJs, man, they would uh, they had a role. It was like they were the tastemakers because if they got into a record early, they would push it. And you yep. know, you know how it is. You hear a song enough, if it has any decency, decentness to it, you like it. It gets familiar. And I've always wondered. Maybe a scientist at RJ in Vegas, if there's any <laughs> true scientists out there, why is it that a song gets better the more times you hear it, but a movie gets worse the more times you watch it? Okay, I think this is a record. We had a double time shift. We time shifted once, came back, started talking, getting into the content, and AJ just kept blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah. And we said, you know, just throw that 10 minutes on the back. So there's a nice chunk, nice chunk of, you know, what's happened to rock music. How good is Led Zeppelin? What was RJ's experience in Hollywood for ballers? All that's covered. And you might think, well, how much does it cost? Free, free at the end of the pod. All right, let's get to it. Your number five team, AJ, you're going to give a forced pick on all five of these teams over under the win total. And McKenzie's going to put it up. The number five team is the Clemson Tigers. Ooh, Dabo. Now, Clemson title odds, they're the fourth favorite. So you've got them a little under, or you've got them a little overrated. You've got them uh, worse at five than four. ACC odds, minus 120. 
Who's like the real competitive in the ACC? Wake Forest, Miami. That's I, probably the top two. Was it NC State really? Yeah, yeah, NC State. People a lot. Of, a lot of people giving love this year. Yeah. Wake, Wake Forest was kind of the surprise team last year. Clemson missed. We weren't asking about last year. We're asking about this year. But, well, I don't. I well, mean, what, give me the give me the conference odds, McKenzie. All right, and by the way, the over-under win total for Clemson, 10.5 under 30. So effectively, the question is, do they lose two or more games or don't right. they? Go. I'm going to say that they lose two games. I, I think that this is a, a really good team, but I've got to have, I've got to see proof that DJ Uagalele is the real deal. He was a massive disappointment last year for a, a program that, it was coming off, we talked about this a couple pods ago, the two best quarterbacks in the history of their program. This was supposed to be the third guy in that line. He has not lived up to that. And they've got a, an incoming freshman, the top incoming freshman in the country, Cade Klubnik, who's ready to push him if it happens. But Dabo's already come out and said, listen, this is DJ's job. He's the, he's the guy. He's our quarterback. So I have no reason to believe that, that Cade Klubnik's going to see the field unless things just fall completely off the rails. Now, my theory when there's a... Uh, a competent quarterback that is getting competition, it's all good. Because one, assuming you trust the coach enough to make the decision, you're going to get the better of the two. I agree. And number two, if there's injury, it's not a catastrophe. Yeah. Because the theory is the number two isn't so bad. By the way, to finish up the ACC, this looks competitive this year. Clemson favored minus 120. Miami of Florida, five to one. Pittsburgh, Pitt, eight to one. NC State, eight to one. Wake Forest, eighteen to one. North Carolina, twenty to one, et cetera. You could probably stop there, yeah. Florida State. I, have we ever seen I know we've had teams like Oklahoma, we were talking about under Schellenberger, you know, they, they become five hundred. When is it I mean, you could make the case Florida State both under Jimbo and under Bound. I would make the case that, that, that during the bound years, Florida State was the best team in the country. If all you did was add up their AP finish, you could find like a 15-year trend that, that the lowest number. So if you were number one every year over yeah. 15 years, you'd be 15, right? If you were number two, you'd be 30. Whatever that number was, I would make the case Florida State had the lowest number over an extended decade-plus period. I guess you're probably right. They were top five like seven yeah. straight years. It was crazy because they always won their bowl game yep. almost. And then under, you know, Jimbo, they won a national title. They were always, you know, 10 and 2. Or like, you know. This team's horrible at this point. What the hell happened? It's rare to see a program just fall off the map and become an, a mediocre program. Uh, but, like, Nebraska's the last one I can think of it happening to. Yeah, but Nebraska was hasn't been that good for a long time. The, Nebraska had the national championship game against Miami, like, in 2002 or whatever. I was at that game at the Rose Bowl. I don't think they had another real game after that, meaning they weren't ever top five. I don't remember. I mean, it was like that was their last hurrah. It's been a long. Oh, yeah, but I'm saying, but they had a, before that game, they had a good run where they were like a yeah, king but the of the. Yeah, but the drop-off happened slowly. It went from, you know, you could make the case the team of the 90s was Nebraska. As much as Osborne seems like he was earlier, they, they, he didn't win a national title till like, uh, what was it, Fra Tommy Frazier was his name? They didn't yeah. win a national title like 94, 95, and then they won two in a row. Yeah. So that was the pinnacle, and then they were still in a national championship game in the early 2000s. Then for the next 10 years, they had like eight wins, Yeah. right? And then it became under Frost what it is now, right? Which, again, he was undefeated at Central Florida. Yeah. 
So, yeah, they've dropped off from 20 years ago. I'm saying Florida State went from national title to the bottom of the league faster than I've ever seen. Texas? But they still won five games. Yeah. No, you're yeah. right. Yeah. Ah, I mean, I'm Florida just saying. They really are in the dumps. It's a, it's a bad situation. What, what changed? I think that they were a, a coach-based program, and they had two great coaches but in Jimbo a row. got out of there for a reason. And even his last year or two wasn't all that and they, good. Well, Jimbo got out of there because they didn't want to spend money on facilities. They, he didn't feel like they could keep Maybe up that's with, the answer, right? with the other schools in the South. Now, this is interesting. Oh, so, no, go back. We're looking at the sketch. Go back to, I want to see, like, the best of Bowden. I, oh, a lot of ones and zeros there I on, mean, the, so on the right side. All right, so what's the far right, McKenzie? They're finishing the uh, coaches poll and the AP poll. All right. Far right is the AP poll. All right, so this yeah. is a 92, and we'll just do the AP. Second, 93 first, 94 fourth, 95 fourth. I'm just going to keep going. Third, 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 one, fifth. Jesus. Look at that one more time. So this is nine years. Two, one, four, four, three, 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 one, five. What was 91? Yeah, that's... Four. Four. Okay. Look, oh my the, God, Jesus! It goes further. Oh, McKenzie really knows how to do the wrong thing. Goes thing. back to eighty-seven. Yeah. If you go back to eighty-seven, you didn't see that, McKenzie. I didn't see that. Jesus God. All right. If you go to, if you go from eighty-seven, these are the finishes in the AP: two, three, three, four, four, two, one, four, four, three, 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 one, five. Top five every year for 14 years in a row. I didn't realize that. I mean, that is crazy how good that team. And man, come bowl game, they were ready to go. Yeah. So, like that, the early part of that, the part that McKenzie didn't highlight. That's the. I was too young to really Mm -hmm. understand things then. But yeah, like when I was a kid, when when I was watching college football as a kid, Florida State was a dominant program. Look at their bowl results. Win, win, win. And these are the same years. Win, 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 win. Loss, win, loss, win. 11 and 3 over that stretch in bowl games. I mean. And that was Sugar, Fiesta, and Orange were their losses. So it's not like they were losing in the, uh, you know, the. the and, and those are national title years because they finished 11. They would have been national title yeah. years. I mean, yeah. So they either lost one game in the regular season and won their bowl, or they. We're undefeated in the regular season, lost a bowl pretty much every year. That's impressive, man. I tell you, he, they had it rolling. And remember, Miami was almost as good during those same years. Yeah. So think about what was coming well, out Florida of Florida. was good. I mean, good point. I mean, those three, uh, that's why I still don't understand how a Florida State and Miami can't be better. I mean, the, there's no one in Miami, or even Florida's not good. I, I guess it was Florida became such a fertile recruiting ground that everyone put so much energy into recruiting it that the local teams didn't have as big of an advantage. Well, a lot of it is facilities because Miami, you hear the same complaints about Miami's facilities not being up to date. And so at least for Florida State and Miami, they just couldn't keep up with the Joneses to the point where, you know, Alabama and and Georgia couldn't swoop down and get their best kids. But Texas, equally if not greater recruiting ground, but let's call it equal, I know Texas, the team— the Texas, the team has dropped off, and we'll see what happens. But they still kept most of those kids in state. I mean, it, it, Baylor got A and M, you know, at different times. But it, it feels like not many people go into Texas, like Kansas, where I'm pretty familiar with, because my buddy was there for a lot of years. They used to try to get 
two people out of Kansas, and it was the people the big three didn't want or whatever. Two people out of Texas, you mean? Yeah, I, I'm sorry, out of Texas. And that, I mean, if you look at the Mangino team that won the Orange Bowl, a lot of Texas kids on that team. It used to be the only team, the only school that could come into Texas and take Texas kids was Oklahoma. They they would yeah. occasionally get them, and and really, so it was Texas, Texas A and M, and Oklahoma was probably the third best recruiter. LSU would get some every once in a while. Yeah, I agree. But that I think sense. when A and M joined the SEC, it kind of opened up the, to those those schools, you know, on the East Coast, the Southeast Coast, I guess. The, the Alabama, like Alabama, LSU. Alabama had a better chance because they were playing A and M. Yeah. Uh, and then the theory is UT was at the – I mean, remember, Mac Brown, I mean, you could make the case there was a 10-year period that Texas had the best team. No doubt. I mean, because Mac Brown, he was getting his choice of guys out of the best or one of the two best states. Only one championship to show for it, but, they, I mean, they were there every year. Yeah, that's, I mean, listen, there's, other than Nick Saban, there ain't, there ain't many that win yep. that many – I mean, it's hard, right? But the um, – I would make the case that Oklahoma then playing Texas – the number one team in a way in Texas, and it being so competitive, you're saying that helps them get Texas yeah. kids. Okay. All right. So there's a famous story about Adrian Peterson, who was a te- uh, originally a Texas commit, and he was uh, he was on the sideline for Texas OU one year where Oklahoma just blew the doors off Texas, and then he switched his commit to Oklahoma. But he, you know he has a firm handshake. Yes, he does. But he came on and said that wasn't why he changed his his commitment. But that was what the rumor was for a long time was just that he, he saw him get spanked and was like, oh, this isn't the place to be. So this is a good story for McKenzie. He, he's good enough to get this up here and have a good three minutes of convo, but we're talking about nine years and he doesn't think to look back to the year before. <laughs> I mean, th- that may be the, the McKenzie story. If you, it'd be like, you want to know McKenzie? And then just tell that story. What do you think, McKenzie? Sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, good. Net, net, it was good. Um, now, why are we bringing this up? Because Clemson feels like they're at a fork in the road. This is a team, if they drop off to the second tier if they're a top 10 team most years we'll say there was that five-year period that six-year period they were really they beat it was 69 and five over a five-year run they beat alabama twice you know and or is it going to be this is one of the great teams it feels you know of the era it feels like the trend line is negative in regards to Dabo. it doesn't get the sweetheart treatment in the press anymore it feels like he's losing coordinators, but go ahead. Yeah, the offensive line, the offense is returning a lot of good stuff. Offensive line returns four guys. They return their top three running backs from last year. Uh, when wide receivers should be pretty solid, but depth is kind of unproven behind Bo Collins and Joseph Nada. They've got one of the best tight ends in the country in Davis Allen. So the pieces are in place. A lot of this just comes down to, is DJ Ugalele the guy? And I, that's that's the big question that's got to be answered this year. On the offense, the longtime OC... I'm hoping not, because I don't pronounce his name that well. It, I, just, I would prefer to just call him DJU. I think that's the best way to go by it. Uh, but they lost Tony well, Elliott. You are a professional broadcaster. I know, so probably but... probably should be able to do that. U- Uyagalele is a tough name, well, even that's if you're why, a professional that's why broadcaster. Pe- people that are coal miners are wishing they were doing what you're doing. By the way, you're also a professional no, broadcaster. I, I, no, I'm not. Yes, you have to admit by now you are. No, I, I donate <laughs> my money to charity. Uh, but they also lost Tony Elliott to take the the coaching job at Virginia. The Brandon Streeter, the new OC. And we've talked about this before. 
Clemson didn't go out, and Clemson's the kind of program that could go out and get the best defensive guy they wanted to be their coordinator, best offensive guy. You lose your coordinators at Clemson, you get to handpick who you want. They hired well, they both. They haven't lost coordinators till now. Right, but they're the kind of program that could go out and pick but, who but, they but want. But can you see how big of a trans? It'd be like this. Let's say you're Leo DiCaprio. Okay. But you've been married and faithful to the same woman for 15 years. Okay. She dies. <laughs> Terrible car wreck, dead. Okay. Now, what's he going to do? Is he going to go out and start sniffing around all the hot scar- starlets? Or is he going to say, that's not my style, and date her sister? Oh, I don't think he would date her sister. I happened all the time back in the day. Like, one would die, and then the, like, a, a, a brother would die, and the brother would step in. You saw Deadwood, Deadwood right? that happened, yeah. Well, that, was, that came from somewhere. Yeah, I don't like that. Okay, but the point is, his nature <laughs> in this hypothetical, Lucky Leo's, was the such that he didn't want strange. He wanted to settle down. Do you think Dabo just wants strange now, or does he want... I, clearly, Dabo likes what he's comfortable with. Exactly. Yeah, so he, he hires from within OC and DC. And, and on the defensive side, Brent Venables, we talked about last week, left lease for Oklahoma. Wes Goodwin, the new DC, this is his first time in an on-field coaching position. He's been a defensive analyst. He's like a... A, a, a defensive analyst? Yeah. Now he's on the offensive side? No, he's the def- he oh, replaced okay. Brett Venables. But this is a guy who's been in, he's been in the film rooms, and he's been you know on the whiteboard, but he's not been a guy who's been on the field coaching. So that's how comfortable Dabo's been with his guys, that he didn't want to go out and, and bring in something new. He said, listen, we're just going to promote from within. Even guys who don't have near the experience we would like them to have, we trust our process like this. Yeah, I got to be honest with you. I usually trust the guy inside that's had great success. Like Belichick not having a coordinator. It's like, uh, you know, I think Bill's going to figure He's it gonna out. He's going to be okay. Yeah, I mean, I just think, you know, it makes sense. Is So the question is, does the idea of a guy who is a mastermind that is, you know, sitting in his office, he doesn't have to deal with players, you know, uh, Belichick had someone like that, and he just retired recently too. Um, oh God, but Ernie Ernie Adams is his name. Okay. And if you read the making of a coach or the education of a coach, I always mess that up. Um, you know, he they were friends in high school, and like this guy was like better than Belichick at certain things. Like he was a code breaker. He could fi- he was the guy behind the supposedly behind the sign stealing that he could figure out this. He could figure out the signs, and he would just watch that tape and figure it out. So who knows, right? But um, I don't see how that guy becomes the on-the-field guy. That, that seems – I mean, again, I'm going to give Dabo the benefit of the doubt, but I'm skeptical because dealing with these kids, often from a different culture, often you know, away from home, it, it seems like the ability to relate to the kids – you look at Lincoln Riley, he is a, tacti- a, a brilliant tactician. Mm-hmm. But wouldn't you say half of his value is his assess? You know, his uh, he can relate to the kids. One hundred percent. You know, the guy who's a little bit, you know, Aspergers or whatever that that's in the office doing his thing. Usually, those guys struggle with that. Now, maybe this guy, but if this guy was any good at, it, why wasn't he on the field to start with? So, I mean, it's an interesting story. And it's going to be hard to see if he's if he's good or not because this is probably the most talented defense in the country. Like Dabo has said before. On this year's team, he thinks he's going to have seven, seven guys drafted that play in the front seven. So seven defensive linemen and linebackers drafted in this year's draft, which sounds like a crazy number, 
But even if you think it's high, it's not way off. Like, this is a ridiculously talented team. They've got the best interior line in the country, Tyler Davis and, and Brian Breesey. These guys are – they just swallow everything up inside. So even if this defensive coordinator is out of his depth, we may not know it because the team that he's got is just so talented. So you're saying that after this year, there are going to be huge losses on No D. doubt. A lot, this of, a lot of final year eligibility. Last hurrah for this defense, certainly. Okay. And last year, how good – I mean, because the theory is the D – we know what the D is going to be minus the coordinator, you know – doesn't sound like there's much infusion of youth. It's the returning people. How they, good were they last they year? They were eighth in total defense last year. And do you have – I know chances are you're going to say, I, I do it by fee you. But, like, <laughs> there should be a, there should be a, um objective way, an empirical way to say, okay, how much better does a player get from his junior year to a senior? I'm assuming most of these guys are going to be – their last year eligibility. Some of them might be draftable beforehand, I guess, right? But, it, programs like Clemson, usually your last year of eligibility is when you become eligible for the draft. Mm-hmm. Like, rarely do you see guys at Clemson play till they're seniors yeah, anymore. But, correct me if I'm wrong, unless you take a retro year or whatever, you need, is it three years? Three years removed from high school. Okay. So, so when you say seven people are going to be gone or whatever, that assumes that they're all leaving early? Yes. So last year... At least according to Dabo. I, again, I, yeah. it's... So under that theory, you come as a freshman, your second year is usually the first year you're going to play, and then the next year is your last year? Yeah, unless you redshirt. Well, no, redshirt doesn't have anything to do, because I'm confused. Redshirt is your fifth year. If you redshirt your freshman year, and then you play your your freshman year, Mm -hmm. your second year is your freshman year now, you play your sophomore year, you're draft eligible. Okay. If you don't redshirt your first year. I understand. Year, so it's three years after you start. It yeah. doesn't matter if you play or not play. Three years after high school graduation. Yeah, it doesn't matter if you play or don't yeah. play. Okay. And, and, and what percentage of the guys that get drafted in the first round are, have left after three years, would you say? I could pull that up and, and find out exactly because I would guess it's high. Okay. Much like the NBA well, draft. We'll, we'll tease that for next. Okay. Well, it's not – I mean, in theory, it's not like the NBA, right? Is is usually with football, it's been longevity – in colleges mattered more, right? There's no one and done, right? Three is the minimum. Yeah. I guess I'm just, we can look at it, next, you know, next week you can do some work on it, but I'm just thinking how many people are leaving early like that? Okay. So, um, what, so in general, it's the uncertain, it sounds like that Clemson is being priced as if nothing really could go wrong, but you're saying, hey, with the coordinator changes and stuff, there was more uncertainty. Yeah, and last year, Clemson going into the season felt like they were in a situation where nothing could go wrong. It felt like they were going to just keep the thing rolling, and DJU just didn't play up to what the expectations were, and that kept Clemson. It made Clemson was a good team last year. You don't go ten and three if you're a bad team. Oh, well, the but ACC, go- I mean, hasn't been all that good. For no, a while. and the expectation for Clemson has changed. That they they shouldn't winning the ACC should be a given for Clemson at this point. They want to be in that in the club where well, it's a 50-50 split right now. Right. They want to be in the club where every year they're they're playing for a national championship or in the in the playoffs. Well, what kind of club is that? There could only be two in that club. Well, well I mean, every you're competing for it. <laughs> Georgia, right. I think Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson are probably well, Georgia is very new to this list. No, Georgia's been knocking on the door for yeah, years, and they 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 just listen, kicked the door down. Hold on, hold on. 
they weren't even in the national championship game. They had to win two extra games this year. So they weren't knock, they were knocking on the door to get to the party. They weren't knocking on the door to win anything. Okay. And that door, they got invited and they had an like an egg like on Beverly Hills that got them to that door and they never could get through the first door effectively. Because it was always how good they were and they always lost the game. Right? Yeah. So I mean, if they stay there, they stay there. They lost a lot of people. Yeah. Where's Georgia on your list? They're third. Okay, that seems high. If they didn't win it last year, where would they be? Like seventh? If they if they lost that yeah. game to Alabama, I think they'd still be third. Boy, that's what you want people to think. I don't know. I think Georgia got. I think there was a confluence of events. When when has any team won with defense? When's the last time a team has won with defense? Ten years ago? Uh, I don't know if you got to go back there. I mean, Clemson, you could argue, the last time they won. Uh, what, 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 against Deshaun Watson? They, with Deshaun Watson? They no, with Trevor like, Lawrence. Well, I know the offense wasn't all that good. What you were talking about? <laughs> the offense was good, but I, their, their really. defense was elite. What was the final? Trevor Lawrence won one title. Yeah. What was the score of that championship game? And I guess he would have played in the semis, right? Yeah. Yeah, he'll, he'll, McKenzie will pull that out. All right, so... But Any playing in the conference they play in, they're going to be favored in every game this season, including on the road What's against Notre Dame. What's their toughest game? On the road at Notre Dame. All right. And is that early or late? It's late in the season. All right. Anything else? No. We can move on to – Now, no. we have a little bit of stuff from your partner on the college pod. Yes, Taylor McCarg. McCarg? McCarg. You nailed it that time, actually. McCarg. Yeah. That's a goofy name. I can't help it. McCarg. McCarg. Like, what is a McCarg? It's like, uh, I mean, what other word has that exact, I mean, at the end, McCarg, what, what words end, ends with a G? It, I, I don't know. There's no other word in the English language. Log. McCarg. Log. Rogue. Okay. Rogue. Okay, McCarg. That helps me say it then. Okay, Log. McCarg. Yeah, goofy. It's a M-C-H-A-U-H-A-R-G-U-E. Harg. Who cares? Anyway, he's got good info. <laughs> and he's got, what do you do, about a minute on each Yeah, and, and he thinks Clemson should whoa, be. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Why are you telling us? We can listen to okay. it. Do we really want you to interpret what McCarg is saying? No. Let's listen. Yeah, Clemson Tigers at five. This is really the only one that I would have up a little bit. Clemson last year was so talented on defense that it allowed them to get to nine and three with a team that otherwise really should have been closer to 500 with how bad the offense was, but they've got so much of that production back. The starting four up front on the defensive side of the ball, they're all back. This really, to me, all hinges on DJ Uyunglele. And there is the potential if he regresses or doesn't advance you know, Dabo was saying all the right things this offseason on we feel like he's ready to take the step, the next step forward. But a lot of that's the coach speak that they have to say those things during conference media days. Uh, if DJ slips up, expect Cade Klubnick, the freshman, you might see him. But I still think this defense is talented enough. They have enough returning production. I would have this team up at number four uh, going into this season. It's also a schedule going in that really not tested until the end of September, they go to Wake Forest, but Wake Forest traditionally really struggles with Clemson because they just can't protect well enough. There's not too many tests on this schedule. It's really not until you get into November at Notre Dame uh, that I think Clemson will really be tested. But I could very easily see this being an 11-1 and type team because I, I think they'll overwhelm the ACC. Ooh, shots fired, AJ. He's saying you're wrong at number five. I think he... he 
likes Clemson a little more than I do. He's well, not as obvious. concerned. That's what I'm saying. That's obvious. He, he, Thanks for stating the obvious to us. He's not now as concerned. He's not as concerned about DJU as I am actually becoming that guy, especially under a new offensive coordinator. I think there's real questions that but in we a haven't weird seen. way, if he didn't do well under the the old one, wouldn't a new one be a good thing? You're, yeah, I mean, could Maybe. be. Could be. Yeah. Probably couldn't hurt. He was bad last year. He was bad. I'm hoping with that name that he goes sells used cars. You don't want him around. You don't want yeah, him in your life. I mean, imagine, you know. God I, forbid he makes the NFL. You got to Tra- talk about Trevor him Lawrence week. is enough, man. <laughs> enough. Okay. So, a little. This does feel like an example of you don't have to bet before the season. Like, you're saying it's like some games you want to see a possession or two. This feels like you want to see this guy, whatever his name may be, and how he quarterbacks. And if he look, now, now listen, you've got to have a studied eye because if he throws for a bunch of yards against a crappy team, when did he throw yeah. them? But if the true performance is good, then all of a sudden you change. It feels like after three games or at some point early, the ability for an outsider to assess how good Clemson is is going to drastically improve. That to some degree, you're going to have the answer to the quarterback situation. Yeah, if DJ looks the way he looked through three games last year, you know that Clemson's not a title contender. But again, you know with that quarterback. But if there's a backup, Klubnik. Yep, Klubnik. Klubnik. Yeah. But, but a true freshman. I, like, uh, What was Trevor Lawrence? You're right. Was it, and wasn't it like game four or five that Lawrence came yep. in? Could be very similar. Could I be. would call that. I didn't like the look of cut of his jib back then. <laughs> oh, I'm tall. Has a nose like Big Bird or whatever. I mean, no. The long flowing hair. Yeah, yeah. I don't care about football. Bring some more barbecue over, honey. <laughs> it's not my style. Fair enough, though. I, I guess we could know if things look really good or we could know that it's going to be on a freshman and if they haven't lost games. Yeah. You know, that, you know. How's their schedule start? The I'll pull it up right now. Yeah, because, I mean, to me, if you're, if you're a fan of Clemson, you're hoping for an easy start. Let your quarterback groove into it. If he underperforms, you still can probably get the win. At Georgia Tech, Furman, Louisiana Tech, at Wake Forest. Like first, first real challenge is at Wake Forest uh, yeah, on September 17th. We should know before that. And, and usually the first couple games don't tell you very much about a team. I think Clemson's one of those teams that there's more to learn. I agree. Number four. The Michigan Wolverines. Oh, come on. I knew you were going to say that. Come on. I don't think you really believe that, do you? I do. Is this this like a kind of like a punk thing? This isn't me trying to punk you. Listen, we can skip this maybe, but you can decide if you want to. But here's my take on it. It smells. Okay. Is there anything sums more, it up? Is there uh, anything more needs to be said? Listen, I think that Michigan has really turned a corner as a program. I, I think if the bar is we're going to be consistently competing with Ohio State every year for best team in the Big Ten, they haven't turned that corner, but they can and still. Or they will. They can still be an elite program without being the best in their so conference. What, what's because your criteria of elite? A, a team that is contending for the playoff year in and year out. So really what your buddy's saying on your paw, what's his name again? Taylor McCarg. McCarg. I'll call him Taylor. Taylor works. What Taylor is saying is that he thinks Michigan is lower and Clemson's higher. Yes. So you personally said, you know, RJ's an Ohio State alum. I don't care. <laughs> Michigan straight to the top, baby. So you've got Not Michigan. To the top. Is there any other national – College football expert that has Michigan this high? I don't think so. 
You're the highest on them. I probably am. Make the case. Uh, they've got options at quarterback for one. Cade, McMa- Cade McNamara was solid last year. He won a lot of games, and the defense isn't going to be as elite, but he was really good despite not being the flashy numbers guy. And if they decide they want to go to flashy numbers, J.J. McCarthy's ready as well. But they're returning a ton on offense. They Blake Corum. So the defense gets worse. The that, defense gets that, worse. They lost two. That, that you just glossed over. No, I was doing offense, and I'd go to defense. Mm-hmm. But they return Blake Corum at running back, who almost hit 1,000 yards last year despite having a high ankle sprain in the second half of the season. Uh, they get their best wide receiver have. back, Ronnie Bell, who tore, he tore his uh, ACL in week one. So and he's, they, he weak, he's weak need. He is weak need. They've got th- three of the top 20 incoming freshman wide receivers in the country. Well, those are some dumb receivers. Like, who <laughs> would go to Michigan if you're a great receiver? I feel like you're a little biased here. But I'm just saying, is do you look at Harbaugh and think that's who's no. led me to the prize? No. Yeah, I don't trust those rankings then. Uh, the key for Michigan last year was our offensive line, and I think it is going to be really good again. They won the Joe Moore Award last year, best offensive line in the country. They lose their right tackle. Who's Joe Moore? I, I guess he was an old-school offensive lineman. I don't know much about Joe Moore. I just that know he's got like, an, a Michigan trophy named after him. Did make this up? Or is this no, it's been an award for a while. All right, go ahead. Uh, the two guys that they lost, they lost their left guard and right tackle. The guard was taken in the seventh round of the draft. The tackle was undrafted. So two – no, no. Okay, not impressive, but I'd expect that with Michigan. What what about the three returning? Well, the three so Ryan Hayes is the the prize of this group. He's the left tackle, projected to be a late first, early second round pick. And then the center is a Remington finalist. I'm gonna butcher his name here. Os- Osaquan Oluwatimi. He doesn't sound American. I don't know. America's a, a melting pot. I don't know, man. I mean, are they getting ringers from like over and maybe countries? so? But it's working for them. Uh, but the NCAA should investigate. I don't. I mean, I mean, let's be honest. Would you put it past Harbaugh, like exploiting an immigrant? I would not. I would. You know what? I'm not going to accuse Harbaugh of anything. I know. I, did you, I accuse him of anything? I said I, it's within the realm of possibility that Jim Harbaugh would exploit an immigrant for his own gain. I think Jim Harbaugh is a gentleman. You, you're kidding, right? <laughs> I am. I. <laughs> All right, go ahead. <laughs> Uh, on defense, oh, here we go. They, they did lose some things. They, they they lose Aiden Hutchinson. They lose David Ajobo to the NFL. Those were key guys, no doubt. So and you're saying they, the whole team, the odds are the two of last year's team mm-hmm. and this year's team, the two highest draft choices. Anyone that is on either roster will be will be those two. Yes. Okay. Continue. And they lost their DC, Mike McDonald who he goes to Baltimore to work under the other Harbaugh, uh, the less smelly Harbaugh, apparently. I don't know. They're all smelly. Uh, <laughs> I mean, how, how can you be a Steelers fan and a Ravens fan and, and have the scourge of these Harbaugh's? It's bad luck for you, I feel. No, I think it's bad luck for them. Oh. Let's be honest. All right. Look at the records. Um, but Michigan, outside those rush-ins, they, they return most of their playmaking. They, their linebacker should be elite again. Junior Carlson's expected to be the anchor. The secondary has some turnover, but Harbaugh's, he's got a converted wide receiver that he thinks is the answer at safety. Uh, Jeez, you're, go, you're digging deep. Like, like, I feel good about Michigan because there's a wide receiver that he's going to play safety. All I'm saying is he, he's had nothing but great things to say when about is he, him. When is it other, otherwise? Like, remember, the only thing that matters that someone says is if you could imagine them saying something different. I, Harbaugh's thrown players under the bus before since yeah, he's been in Michigan. But not before the season starts. No, rarely before the season starts. So you're, you're always right. going to get coached. No, you're right. Your boy Taylor knew that much. You're right. You're, is this somehow passive-aggressive against me? It is not. 
Okay. Here's I, this I is what it boils it down to. Michigan is going to be favored in every game this year, but the Ohio State game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the only ones that are going to be within one score are at Iowa and home to Penn State. That's the only two that are going to be lined within a touchdown. If if Michigan can, can just win one of those games, they go over nine and a half, and then the Ohio State game doesn't matter. So I I like Michigan. Well, it doesn't matter for what for this over under for over nine and a half. Okay, but I mean obviously it matters to Michigan if they can win the game. I think Ohio State is much better than Michigan. They're, the, they're this ninth favorite in the country to win a title, and you've got them four. fourth. I mean, so this is like your best bet in the top ten. It is. Uh, probably Utah's my best bet in the top ten, but Michigan's right behind it. Huh. And and you're saying there's really no connection. With me hating Michigan. No, uh, no. Okay. Uh, we're going to get to where I've got Ohio State. Well, yeah, but that's just common sense. <laughs> I mean, like, what, were you going to put a high state 12? All right, are you done? I'm done. All right. I got one thing to say before we listen to Taylor. Taylor, if that's his name. <laughs> the country collective IQ says nine. AJ says, cut that in half and then go down a little bit more. Yeah. And it's a coincidence. Mackenzie, what do you think? I was surprised when he told me. Yeah. Like, it's going to be fun. I mean, in a way, you got to wonder, is he, does he know this hurts his career? And thus, is he doing it out of, like, righteousness, out of, like, authenticity? Oh. Nine and a half. He's handing me the green button. So it's minus 110. Check, check the updated line. See what Chris is. Let's see what a sharp, sharp book's at. All right. Now, we're going to – let's see what my boy has to say. Okay. Tony. <laughs> Taylor. Taylor. Oh, doesn't – Taylor sounds more feminine. What about Tony? Anthony. <laughs> is he Italian? I don't think so. His, his last name starts with a Mick. I'm pretty sure that's not Italian. I, that sounded like some kind of, like, aspersion right there. I don't even know what that word means, but I, I mean, I've never met like an Italian. it's a racial slur. No, I've never met a... called him a Mick. No, MC are the first oh, two letters okay. of... <laughs> I mean, I knew that was like the Irish don't like that. No, I would not say that. Okay. I, you, you heard, I heard you say that word. I said his last name starts with Mick. Have you ever heard... So it? you just did it again. Have you ever heard an Italian name start with the two letters MC? I just am thinking of Motorcycle Club on <laughs> Sons of Anarchy right now. All right, let's hear what Tony thinks. <laughs> Taylor. <laughs> We're trying to give him a Sorry, little all right, all right. But if he's Irish, does he drink? He'll drink a beer. Okay, but he's not a problem drinker. He's not a problem drinker. Some of the Irish are. I, you I, know, mean, they have a, I think they have a genetic That sounds like an aspersion or whatever. No, I think they have a, <laughs> don't they have a genetic propensity? I have no idea. Look that up when we listen to Tony. I can confirm. <laughs> I've seen enough movies. Michigan at four. This would have been the team that I would have flipped with Clemson. I think this is, I would have had them at five and Clemson up at four. A lot of questions for me for Michigan. I think last year was in a lot of ways a perfect storm and a lot of those breaks went in their favor, culminating with that win over Ohio State to to end the season. There's questions still at quarterback this year. Is Cade McNamara going to be the guy? Uh, Does he get beaten out by J.J. McCarthy? Um, the, ska- the, the schedule for them is pretty favorable. Really no tests until October 1 at Iowa, but really you got to go all the way to the end of the season at Ohio State before you really 
figure out what this team is made of and, and how do they perform. I don't see them winning at the horseshoe this year. Uh, I think Ohio State gets the win in that game. Again, the questions on the offensive side of the ball, can they repeat the production that they had last year? I don't see that. I think it's it's likely that by the end of this season, you might see this team. This might not even be a top 10 team. Uh, for that reason, I would have them behind Clemson going into the year. He talks some common sense. Do you want to do you want to recant? No, I've, I passed the green button to you. But because you get you got a number up there that's inaccurate. The sharp books are over minus one twenty five. Oh, what a coincidence! You wanted to go pick them, <laughs> no vig. When it, yeah, McKenzie put up the consensus odds. Yeah, and I you know I like what the sharp books have to say because they're sharp. So you like what I had to say about Michigan is what you're saying. Um, no, because it doesn't mean. I mean, I guess the square. Let's think about this. You're saying. The squares and the general public's a little down on them. You're a little up on them. Yeah, we're talking about like 15 cents, not the craziness you're talking. Now, listen, we're moving to three, the team three here. I'll give you minus 110. Well, he's saying, you're saying 25, right? So it's 15 cents. He wants to give me 10. Yeah, very kind. You know, we got a call coming up. <laughs> it's unusual on a pod, but they have a take on your Michigan take. It's, I think it's a group. <laughs> The people have spoken. Fair enough. Number three. The Georgia Bulldogs. And the offense returned Stetson Bennett for his sixth year uh, as a quarterback. This is unbelievable how long he's been around. A, a walk-on. So how does that work? You get your uh, – oh, I guess because of COVID. He got a COVID and a, year. And a, okay. Yeah, he got pressure. a COVID year. And JT Daniels, who was like the blue chipper that transferred in, he's now transferred out to West Virginia. So he started a couple games last year, got hurt. He's not transferring to Pitt? No, transferring to West Virginia. About that. No, transferring to West Virginia. And um, Daniels, I remember he was at USC, right? Yes, USC before he was at Georgia. What was that game that he had like a monster numbers? Was it Notre Dame? It, for his very first game of his career, so, put up big numbers against Notre Dame. He's a super. Think about this guy now. He's a superstar recruit. Gets you know USC. Mm-hmm. He comes in against their main rival, no, the biggest game of the year. And puts up 350 yards. I mean, what's the if I said, you know, he's not going to have another successful game. He's going to transfer out of here. He's going to go to Georgia. He's going to sit on the bench. And then he's going to Morgantown, West Virginia. I would have thought would, very low. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That, that That's about as bad yeah, as it JT Daniels be. had some promise. and He's a lefty, right? Uh, I don't know that. Think he's a lefty. You've never seen him play? I mean, I've seen him play. I don't remember what hand every player throws with. Oh, well, a quarterback, it's a lefty is something. I think it's a rare a, thing. I, I believe you, he is a USC lefty. USC had a lefty. Is he a lefty? Is he a mutter? What does that mean? You don't know what a mutter is? No. It's a horse that runs well in the mud. Oh. His mother was his mother was a mutter. <laughs> oh, wait, that's a that's a uh, <laughs> What did I just say? That's from also from that clip. He's a right handed quarterback, JD Daniels. So he switched. No wonder he's struggling. <laughs> <laughs> Transferred to Georgia, switched hands. That makes sense. I mean, it's a, if there's ever going to be a struggle, it's going to cause that. Continue. So Stetson Bennett, even though he's never going to be an NFL star, he was the fourth most efficient passer in the country last year. He makes very few mistakes for the defense to clean up. But he's one of those dudes that he just doesn't have the the, the physical tools he, to play. He's not a, a plus athlete. He's not plus arm strength. He's just, just a, a winner. He's a winner. And that doesn't work in the NFL. It does not work in the NFL. Uh, they 
lose both their running backs, Amir White and James Cook, but they've got more guys. Georgia's kind of turned into running back university. They cycle through these guys. And, and right, so let's compare. Listen, here's what we know. We know last year. Let's think about it relative to last year. Okay? Because instead okay. of starting a handicap out of thin air, let's start with Georgia won the title. Mm-hmm. Georgia, in a game that Nick Saban had a chance to prepare for, Long time, right? Bowl game. Well, I guess not as much because it was the second round, yeah. but let's be candid. It still was like 10 days. He still knows Georgia very well. Saban doesn't lose those games. Lost his best wide receiver. He lost his best wide receiver early in the game, but still they got the blows worn off, or the doors blown off, yeah. right? So Georgia was the best team in the country. Yes. And even after losing Alabama, they were favored like two and a half or three in that game. Yeah. That tells you something right there because every schmo was on. Alabama. Alabama just won and I'm getting points. And is Nick Evans saving? They were lining up for that. Wouldn't you agree? I would. And Georgia won. I was on Georgia. So, yeah. And there you go. Georgia was the bat. And, and all of the Barneys <sighs> were lined up on Bama. Which often I'm in that line. Well, in the pros you are, <laughs> not in college as much, which is a sign of something. Okay. Now, how is Georgia? Georgia's lost a lot of guys on defense. Lost Eight players on defense to the draft, five first rounders. Okay. Massive turnover. Uh, probably the greatest collection of talent to come out of one defense ever. Including the number one overall pick, Trayvon Walker. So it was a, a massive exodus of talent. And they lost their DC. That Oklahoma team with Bosworth, maybe, but no, I think <laughs> this is it. Now, when you're as good as Georgia, you usually got people lined up behind. How do I mean? They're all going to be pedigreed recruits. Is there any way for us to tell how good they are? Well, Jalen Carter, who's the the defensive tackle, he's rated as the second best defensive player in the draft according to Will Muschamp or up oh, to Todd McShay. Yeah, coming up here. Yeah, the next year's draft. Okay. He, so he thinks that they they've got some still got some dominant players on defense. The depth is going to be the concern because you lose that many guys. You think some of the guys who didn't play much last year are going to be really good? Are they all going to be really good? That's a tough. That's a tough ask. I think. That's an interesting thing. How do you approach it? Because if you look backwards, you can say, okay, this guy was the seventh best in the country, whatever. But we know that's not super predictive. Yeah. If you look forward, that's pretty good. How good of a draft prospect is this? Except they only do that for the players eligible the next year. Yes. So in a weird way, we got to split up the new players into who's eligible next year. And we look at draft status or, or draft rankings versus that middle ground. If it's their first or most likely second year, now, how do you tell? How and also, did? at this point of the year, like the, the good mock draft guys are only doing first round type things. Like you're not seeing. Yeah, but even if it's a de- even if it's decent, if someone that's doing a, a deep mock draft, you got to respect they know something or why yeah. the hell are they no, doing you're right. it? Right. In a weird way, those are probably the guys that grind more that that aren't as well known. Yeah, uh, but and the fact that but the fact that Jalen Carter is the best defensive player in the country behind Will Anderson. That says something. And they've got future NFL talent replacing future NFL talent. That's what yeah, Georgia's been had, for. They had future NFL talent for the last seven years. Yep, they, yeah. And there was a difference last year, right? Now, how much? How long was the D.C. around before he just left? He was uh, for years, Dan Lanning. And uh, he's, he just took the Oregon job. Okay. So that strikes me as feels disruptive because if he's there that long – they just had one of the great seasons in history on that side of the ball. You can mm-hmm. make the case as good as any defense has ever been. If you think about how, when's the last time a team won it through defense? 
because, I mean, you said, oh, Clemson, they put up 45 yeah. or whatever in that championship game under Trevor Lawrence's whatever freshman year, I think. So was that his freshman year or sophomore year? His freshman year, they won the championship. Did nothing after that, did he? <laughs> I mean, seriously, nothing. High State just blew the doors off. They did. I mean, it wasn't like, I mean, how could that guy go number one? The miscalculation on someone's part, you apparently. Think? I don't think so. I think he's pretty good. <coughs> what? The Trevor Lawrence that played last the guy that played. No, I think he stunk last year, but I still think he can end up being pretty good. What do you think his high what's his best top ten? <clears throat> what does that mean, top ten? So he could be the best quarterback in the league? Or he or tens is his ceiling. I I think ten's probably his ceiling. So he at his best of everything. Dak Prescott. <clears throat> Kirk Cousins. So if everything falls into place, he could be Kirk Cousins. I think that he could be better than Kirk Cousins. Wow. That's a hell of a What do you think what his ceiling is? I, I don't really know. You do know. You've no, got strong feelings on him now. I, I think, no. Actually, I have no idea, except I know that whenever there's a consensus so strong, when there's so much uncertainty from the point where they're guessing onward, typically, I, don't, I think even though Trevor Lawrence probably had more certainty than the average quarterback, first-round pick, I think that certainty goes from... Now, they say 50% bust rate. That means out of the league type 50, you know, backup quarterback in year three kind of stuff. I mean, was you know, think about the quarterbacks that are like, huh, who's a good example? I mean, was Teddy Bridgewater a bust? Yes. No, he wasn't. I mean, when they count bust versus not, first off, Bridgewater got hurt, so it's hard to critique him. Okay. But what I'm saying is he's like, what? The thirty one of the thirty five best quarterback. He's one of the top two or three backups in the league if yep. he's a backup. Is when they count busts at fifty percent or whatever in first round quarterback, they're counting Teddy Bridgewater as a hit. So now now amongst the hits, you gotta start dividing them up. I just think Trevor Lawrence probably had a better chance in, in the Mac Jones or any of those quarterbacks. It just was slightly better. But everyone thought it was like a sure thing, and thus I go against that kind of lunacy. Lemming-like thinking. I want everyone to think independently. But I don't know Trevor Lawrence, how good he is. Would you have read if you could redraft right now, and your only three options were Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and Trey Lance? Who do you take? Can you? Can, I trade the draft choice. <laughs> like even if, even if you know, give me a hundred thousand. And there were a lot of people looking to trade up into that number one spot. I mean, so it's not like the. The Jags couldn't have traded. Well, that was my point. Everyone was, this was the next Andrew Luck. And I said, is that good or bad? But is Andrew Luck a bust? Not a bust, but he's way overrated. Okay. Crazily. They're doing like podcast series about him on The Athletic. Yeah, they are. I mean, yeah. He, well, here's the thing about Andrew Luck. Somehow his, his first year, the, the, the players around him were so bad, it was a miracle that they went 11-5. and five. And then later when they got no better, it was because – I don't even know what the story is because it still is like Andrew Luck. Because supposedly if you look at PFF, he wasn't very good until like his last year. Like, like his rank – but – that story doesn't mesh with the whole his first year, how bad the team was. Yeah. And it was a miracle he got him to the play. I don't know. I don't think there's a, really a consistent, cogent story that anyone tells that makes sense. They're all – it's almost like an amalgamation of different stories that don't go together. I heard someone ask if – and, I, you know, I like Andrew He's Luck way quitter. more than you He's do. He's a quitter. 
But someone asked if Andrew Luck was a Hall of Famer, and I thought that was like a laughable question even to ask. Who asked it? I just heard it on a, a some, comedian. No, it was on some on some sports show. On that some you sport. were watching, you were implicitly agreeing I, with I, it. I wasn't agreeing with it. No. But they're looking at your Nielsen number and saying, <laughs> yep. that dude likes what we sold. Do. Yeah. A Hall of Famer? Yeah. A quitter's Hall of Fame? Oh, I don't, I don't like calling him a quitter because the guy got hold hurt. He's got a neck injury. Well, like, hold, hold on. That's not true. He was injured, but he was cleared to play. And he said, I don't want to go through the pain anymore. That's what a quitter. What do you think a quitter? Why does he quit? Usually it's pain or something. He's lazy. Or it's concerned for his long-term health. That, and that's what quit. What do, what do you do in that case? You quit. You step away from the game. No, you quit. And here's the thing. Did the concern ramp up right before training camp? That uh, the timing is terrible. I agree. That, if he would have retired, Jim Brown retired early. Yeah, I got no problem with that. Don't retire two weeks two weeks before the season. That's the, that's where I agree with you. That I, it was not a quitter. good look for Andrew Luck to, to, to quit when he did. Q U I E T E R I N G quitter. Or something like that. No. All right, continue. I am lower on Georgia than the market. The, the market says Georgia's, like uh, Alabama's here, Ohio State's one notch below them, Georgia's one notch below them. So if we look at the odds, Alabama right now plus 190 to win the title, Ohio State plus 350, Georgia plus 425. Distance from Ohio State to Alabama bigger than Ohio State at two to number three Georgia, you're saying no, no, I think no. it's the opposite. I think Ohio State's a lot closer to Alabama than Georgia is to Ohio State. I, I think that— Who's better, that, Michigan or Georgia? Georgia. Okay. That's why I have Georgia at three, Michigan at four. <laughs> but I do think that people are overlooking how much turnover there was to the NFL. I think it's impossible to say, oh, when Ohio State's bringing back almost everybody, Alabama's bringing back almost everybody, and then you say, well, Georgia lost eight guys off the best defense that we've seen in—, in 20 years, and it, it, so uh, don't can, worry, they're going to be just fine. At the Circa, you can bet no on the pro, on the futures. I'm guessing the no at 425. Can you look at something, Kenzie? Yeah. I'm guessing, like, what, 680 maybe on the lay? I'm not great once you get up on those higher numbers. So you're, let's assume minus 700. You can bet no Georgia winning national title. Would you like that? I kind of would, yeah. You would think so, right? Yeah. I just think I think that the market's overpricing Georgia. I well, think they I know you they all say, believe you, that Georgia. You do realize you're saying that again and again. Meaning, I'm not saying that it, you shouldn't repeat. I'm saying it's not new though. I, I'm saying say, they're the third best team in the country, uh-huh. and the third best team in the country in a four-team playoff, uh, anything can happen. Well, but if anything, that's almost the opposite. Which is, if they're clearly worse, and they make it, it's still you got to beat. The, the thing is about college football. It seems like it's so rare in these big, big games. You get upsets when teams aren't prepared. But when it's a big, I mean, how many upsets has there been in championship game? Or, and even the, that's an interesting question. BCS, how many, oh, not BCS, the, the playoff. playoffs where there's the semifinal round and then the finals, three games a year. How many times has an underdog won the game straight up? And how, how often has the underdog been more than a field goal? I mean, High State was a seven-point underdog against Oregon. It's hard to imagine, but they were. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, in hindsight, that didn't seem like they were yeah. like overmatched. Remember, they beat Alabama as like a seven-point dog the game before. That was unusual. How, how many times did it happen before? Uh, Alabama beating Clemson when Alabama was the four seed in the in the first round. Clemson was the one seed. That was in 2018. Um, but other than that, it's almost all, it's usually chalk. The the top seeded team yeah, wins. Yeah, because usually if you have it's like in the college or in the NFL playoffs, there's very rarely the big favorites do well because they're focused. 
Right, Georgia, by the way, Circuit doesn't have yes, no in the championship, but they have no winning the SEC at minus 200. I like that. You do? I do. You, so you'd lay two to win one, I'd they don't win, win the yeah. SEC. Yeah. Now, refresh my memory. They're in Alabama's. The Alabama's in the SEC. So in theory, they got to beat Alabama. If they lose Alabama once, they probably don't make the championship game. They either. don't play Alabama in the regular season. Oh. So, but they, they're in the same. I thought Georgia's in the East, Alabama's in the West. They're in the same conference, not the same division. Well, I know they're in the same conference. Why would I be talking about Alabama? Well, you asked if they were okay. in the same conference. Oh, they call it division. Yeah. Okay. All right. So last year they played because there's some overlap. Yeah. Uh, but they don't play this year. They don't play year. this oh, I would have liked season. it a lot more if they played. Hmm. We'll think on that. Maybe next week we'll have a bet on that. The schedule's actually pretty – the SEC schedule, as easy as an SEC schedule can be, that's what it is for uh, Georgia this year. They got the two worst teams from the SEC West this year on their schedule. You play two crossover games. They got Mississippi State and Auburn, who are the How two – How do they decide these crossovers? It rotates. Uh-huh. Rotates. So uh, the, their toughest games on the season are probably at Kentucky or at South Carolina – They've got a non-conference game against Oregon, but they, they avoid any well, then, real landmines in the so SEC why West. why would you like it as minus 200 then? Because they have to beat Alabama to win the SEC. Yeah, but if they make the SEC championship game from their division, I mean, so let's say right now, what would you put the line on a neutral? Oh, Really, it's not a neutral, right? It's at the Georgia Dome. Yeah. Right? It'll be, so, the ticket sales will be a neutral, but. I mean, what I'm saying is there's home, there's home field advantage. Yeah. You're right. Ticket sales. Uh, I usually would give Georgia one there. So let's assume you're giving one, one and a half for home field. What's the, let's assume it was a true neutral and we'll adjust. What would the line be, Alabama, Georgia? Four. Three and a half, four. All right. So let's call it three and a half with home court or home field. And the lay price, uh, it'd be over 200, right? And that's assuming Alabama makes it, which isn't a short thing. Nope. Okay. Yeah. The layout here, I don't love the layout. I don't think I like that bet as much. I think the national, because they might be able to have just one game they play well, but then they have to, if, you, if they're a lesser team and they go in, and to me, this is a team that probably doesn't grow during the season, meaning if you, maybe on defense. Yeah. But that quarterback's about tapped out, right? He's not going to get better. <laughs> he's not going to turn. He's going to suddenly turn into uh, to Trevor Lawrence. Wow. So, so to me, I kind of like the idea of saying let's bet against them to go all the way because that's where his limitations probably come into play. The quarterback, you know, in the Final Four. Because let's be candid. What's the last Final Four team that won the title? What's the last college team that won the title without an elite college quarterback? Georgia. And then before that, right? So to some degree, that defense was a once in the generation. People are going to think it's a template, but it's not a template. No. It's the exception of the rule. All right. Anything else? No. Nope. We'll hear what Tony has to say. <laughs> Taylor. Why do you keep contradicting me? <laughs> the Georgia Bulldogs, if there's any hangover from the national championship, you're going to find out week one with the huge matchup against Oregon. After that, if they get through and, and have a win against Oregon, the schedule really lightens up for them as much as you can as hope for on the SEC East. And you have a road game at South Carolina, but for Stetson Bennett and Georgia, there really aren't that many tests on this schedule. They will close out the year you know, at Mississippi State and at Kentucky. But by that point, you would imagine the youth that they're going to have on the defensive side of the ball with all of those guys – that went in the NFL draft last year. They're backfilling all of that talent. 
But this is for the Alabamas and Georgias and Ohio States of the world. You really don't start over from scratch. A lot of these guys saw action last year. This isn't going to be you know going back to square one. And with the schedule lining up the way that it does, I would not expect a huge drop off here. I think it's it's ten and a half right now is their season win total. And I know it's scary to think about taking the over on a, a ten and a half, but this is the team to me that I think really has a chance to run the table all the way through if they can get through that week one game against Oregon because. Like I said, that schedule, with it being in the SEC, still really not a lot of tests. Stetson Bennett, I know, leaves some to be desired, but he did step up towards the end of the season last year, played pretty good football, will have that season under his belt, and has all the confidence in the world. He doesn't think about himself and carry himself like a former walk-on. He thinks and, and believes that he deserves to be there. And if they can get the depth backfield on the defensive side of the ball don't be surprised if you see this team unbeaten going into the sec championship at the end of the year okay good stuff from tony now <laughs> let me ask you this we're not helping with his branding here no we are <laughs> it's gonna be that's that's taylor the, rj calls him tony okay i mean that will be let's be honest that's gonna help okay <laughs> it's gonna be to put under his name on espn when he's calling a game as RJ, RJ oh, refers so to, he actually calling. calls games. He calls games on free ESPN. Like on on what feed? Uh, on ESPN like, Plus, he does mostly Conference USA games. All right, still, you know what? I'm going to call him Taylor. Okay, is that it, Taylor? Taylor, yeah. And he uses that last name. That's the name he uses. Yeah. He should have got a stage name, <laughs> and maybe even go with Tony. But I'm going Taylor. Hey, listen, if he's got a, I'm not going to try to diminish his brand. I thought he was coming out of nowhere. No. Well, you wouldn't do that, would you? No. All right. Here's the thing. You don't like the underdog. You want the pedigree. <laughs> now, here's the thing. Oregon, that matchup's interesting. I tend to think, well, what's the line in that game? Georgia minus 18. Whoa. Yeah. So Oregon's got a new coach, right? Georgia's old D.C. Oh. Now, this gets interesting. The defense that Georgia's running is it this, his defense? But like the guy, you know, you know how when Staley left the Rams, they kept running. Yeah. How? What are they doing schematically? I would assume it's a change. You don't know. I don't know. But they hired Check it. they hired Will Muschamp, who's a former uh, head coach, former DC, Texas, Texas and Auburn, uh, was the head coach at Florida and yeah. in South Carolina. So I would imagine he's bringing his own defense in. Might want to look into that. Yeah, because I think you're right. But to me. I think it's advantage Oregon in either case because if they're running his D, which seems unlikely, he's going to know it best. If they're changing, it's a new D first game. That's yeah. always a challenge. But then Oregon's got new stuff in there. Yeah. And he's not even a defense. He's a defense. Who's the OC for Oregon? Do we know? I do not know off yeah. the top of my head. This will be, we'll get into this in week one probably. But um, you and Taylor. Correct. Any closing thoughts on Georgia? No. So what's your force bet here? I mean, you, you, why are you sign like that? You don't like this Georgia team. You think they're overrated. I, I would like do not win the SEC at minus 200. Except, okay, so you're going with that. So you don't – their win total is 10.5, and, and it's over minus 215. Yeah. So what we're saying is if they lose two games in the regular season, you win plus 175 on the take back. You're saying they're, they're, they're favorite in your mind, they're like well over 60% to have one or zero losses in the regular yes. season. But like we just said, Oregon's an 18-point dog. But, I mean, so they're down, but you're down on the team. Relative to, yes. Okay. All right. So then you got to – so here's the thing. I know you don't like taking dog prices, 
but you got to like the 175 saying, hey, there's going to be two upsets. Or, you know, because they got to have some tough games. I mean, it's not like they have no tough games, right? I mean, Oregon at South Carolina is probably their next toughest game. I mean, they, they've got a cakewalk schedule this year. Yeah, if they're almost guaranteed to make the championship, I want to get no against them to win the title. Like, even if you got to lay like 700 or whatever. You think instead of saying no to win the SEC championship, you think it's smarter to wait till they play Alabama and say no then? No, I'm saying bet it preseason. I mean, I guess you circuit lets you bet the no typically. They're not doing it right now because it's early. They let you bet it throughout the season. The only problem is you can say wait until right before the SEC championship game and then bet no for the national title, figuring they got to beat Alabama. And then, and if they do, they got to win two more games. Right. But if they're really under, if you're really right, they're going to lose a game early in the year that they're going to be a big underdog that, or a big favorite and still lose. Like they might lose to Oregon. They might, and if they do, that happens all the time. It does. I just can't see it with this team. I, I, I think the Why gap. Why are they any less? In, because the point spread is going to tell you how much better they are than their opponent, and it's generally right. Not always, but generally. Do you think this team has less or a less less of a propensity to lose as a seventeen point favorite than another team? Yes. Why? Because they're bullies. Okay. Because they, they Michigan. They, in a way. Yeah, they run the ball. They play good defense. So, so they they str- they might struggle against the best teams. They struggle to catch up against Alabama in the SEC they, championship. They might struggle against the best teams, except for these crazy years where it all comes together. But they're not going to lose when they're clearly better because they play a low variance game. Yes. All right. All right. So then let's keep our eye open. If it, if you don't get a new, now listen, who knows? The whole season you might see something you might like them more. But in general, they might come in undefeated to the SEC championship. Look, and the odds would obviously have improved from plus 425 to Sunday. Betting the no might be the way to do it then. I agree. Next team. The Ohio State University. Number one, baby. Number two, oh, baby. Okay. Uh, listen, the offense is once again going to be dominant. They, they lose two first-round wide receivers, which normally that would be devastating. But they return the best QB wide receiver combo in the country with C.J. Stroud and Jackson Smith and Jigba. Stroud is ridiculous, completed 72% of his passes last year, 44 to 6 turnover to interception ratio. The guy is the real deal. They have one of the best running backs in the conference in Travion Henderson, uh, and they've got good depth there as well. Smith and Jigba played in the Rose Bowl last year without Garrett Wilson, without Chris Olave, caught 15 passes for 347 yards and three touchdowns in that win against Oregon. So and Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to get more time on the field. And if there's any worries on this offense, I guess it's with the interior line, but they return both their tackles, uh, including J- uh, Jones, who's 6'8", 360, and is just a, a monster. So the two games that they lost last season were on defense. They had a, a solid pass rush last year. They got their share of interceptions, but they gave up 23 points per game, which that's what separated them from Alabama, what separated them from Georgia. They fixed that. Ohio State fixed what their problem was last year by going out and getting the best coordinator that was available to them. They go out and get Jim Knowles from Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State had a top-five defense. They didn't have nearly the players on that side of the ball that Ohio State did. So now with this Buckeye talent, you bring in some high-profile assistants. Uh, Former Buckeye cornerback Tim Walton is a former D.C. in the NFL, recently coached the secondary in Jacksonville. Jalen Ramsey raves about the guy. Uh, They've just got – everything's coming together for this defense to make them much better than they were a year ago. Zach Sawyer's a beast up front, return a lot of talent in the secondary. So I think Oklahoma – or excuse me, Ohio State makes a massive jump 
on the defensive side of the ball, which was really the only problem they had last year. And I think Ohio State's offense, who returns so much talent, continues to be very, very elite. Ohio State, compared to last year's team, are they going to be better or worse? Better. Is Alabama going to be better or worse? Better. If you had to, who's going to be better by more? Who? If- Ohio State takes a bigger jump. Because Ohio State's defense was meh last year. I mean, it, it literally cost them the two games that they lost. They shouldn't have lost those two games if their defense was up to Buckeye standards. If it was a usual Ohio State defense, they win those games. Now, Ohio State, Alabama on a neutral, what's the line right now? A point. Point and a half. Though the difference in their title odds is significant. Plus yeah. 190 versus plus 350. So if you had a forced bet on one of them, you bet Ohio State at plus 350. Yes. All right. I, I don't I don't see any slander to any of this. Yeah, I, I don't think I, I watch when you look at their schedule. It's really hard to find a loss. Uh, I mean, obviously, they, last season was a disappointment. I think you're going to get a focused effort from them. Notre Dame's the opener. They're 14 and a half point favorites against Notre Dame. I, I mean, they, this is they're significantly better than the field. Uh, the only stumbling block I could possibly see is Michigan, and I don't think Harbaugh pulls it off two years in a row. It just seems like a... History says no. History does say no. So I think right now it, it, you can almost pencil Ohio State into the national championship game. Let's hear what ESPN star Taylor... What's his last McCarg. name? Does he have an agent? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. Not with McCarg. Look, like... I, I can't remember that. McCarg. Hmm. Let's listen, though. Maybe he's got some insight. Ohio State having them at number two. The big thing with both of their losses last year, just getting beat up up front on both sides of the ball. And that's where bringing over Jim Knowles, defensive coordinator from Oklahoma State, that's the question mark, right, is how do you sure up the trenches, win those battles, and if they can do that, This is another one of those teams, the Big Ten doing a really good job of making sure that uh, their best chance to get to the college football playoff with Michigan and Ohio State. These are pretty favorable schedules. The Buckeyes don't play a road game until the middle of October. And now they do go to Michigan State and to Penn State and then obviously close the year with Michigan at home. I think their schedule is a little more uh, challenging than Michigan's is, but all the skill talent in the world like they have every year. Quarterback coming back, C.J. Stroud will be back again, one of the Heisman front runners this year. The schedule, like I said, there's a couple chances for them to slip up, but it's an eight-game home schedule. I think this is likely a team that you will see in the Big Ten Championship at the end of the year, and I think at two right now, it's fitting for them. I would not have Georgia ahead of them just with the production that Georgia has to return on the defensive side of the ball, but don't be surprised if this is a Final Four team again this year if they can sure up the trenches on both sides. You know, that's the thing is we've seen this from the 90s, late 80s. When Miami went fast and a lot of these teams went playmaker, everyone thought, okay, how do we get these playmakers? And there was like a Houston team that ran a run and shoot. Yeah, Cougars. But it's at the offensive and defensive lines. Think of Ohio State in their good years. Uh, Of all the great DNs in football, what – Three of them come from the bike. I mean, if you think about it, the Bosa brothers. Yeah. And Chase Young. Yeah. I mean, that's three of the what? The seven best. D- yeah. It, High State recruited the D line. Give Urban Meyer credit. Now, maybe Pace isn't quite as focused. He's more because we got so many wide receivers. We got to throw some away. <laughs> I'd rather get a few good left tackles. Throw away quarterbacks, too. I'd, yeah. They, maybe get another nose tackle. <laughs> 
right? Instead of that extra quarterback. Yeah. No advice. Yeah. Number one is number high state. Oh, wait. We already did them. Number one is the Alabama Crimson Tide, and it's it's hard to to make an argument against this team. They return arguably the best offensive and defensive player in the country. And Bryce Young on offense, Will Anderson on defense. And the last couple years at running back, what they've got this year, the last couple years, Brian Robinson, Najee Harris, these were tough guy running backs, kind of lunch pail, hard hat guys who who fought for extra yards. You could say hard-nosed. Hard-nosed. That's a good way to look at it. What they've got now, Jameer Gibbs, who transferred him from Georgia Tech, is a home run hitter, and he's going to open up the offense even more. Uh, At Georgia Tech, he averaged over five yards per carry, and he adds to the passing game, which Alabama hasn't had a running back out of the backfield in a few years. So I think that their running game is going to be much better. They also added Jermaine Burton, who was Georgia's best wide receiver. It was almost like a uh, Kevin Durant losing to Golden State. I'm just going to join you. Except Jermaine Burton beat Alabama, and then he went to Alabama. So I think he saw what everybody's seeing. Alabama's putting wide receivers in the NFL. Uh, they put a couple more in there this this last year. Jamison Williams, John Mechie. They also have a guy named JoJo Earl who was all SEC uh, freshman last year. He's got cartoon speed. And Cameron Lolu, who was their their third best receiver last year, their tight end, eight touchdowns. He's back. So the offense is big. They're replacing both offensive tackles, including one in Evan Neal. But the offensive line, believe it or not, wasn't that great last year. They finished outside the top 100 in sacks allowed and tackles for loss. So the offensive line had its flaws. So maybe maybe upgrading that isn't the worst thing in the world. And on defense... Well, hold on. You don't know if you're upgrading it. You don't know if you're upgrading it. Because obviously, as of last year, those were the best guys. Unless it's a freshman or someone that's emerged. In general, when you lose people... You, you know, I guess if you're Alabama, it might be different, but in general, new equals uncertain. Yes. The the guy, Tyler Steen, is a guy who's coming in from Vanderbilt who is, is not uncertain. He's very good. He, this is a, a very good left tackle. Right tackle, they're replacing with younger players, guys that they're moving up the is, depth chart. Isn't this the perfect example of what's wrong with this transfer portal? Is so Vanderbilt hits on a lineman, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, great. Now go off to who we have to play in conference. I get the whole freedom, but we don't have unlimited freedoms. You can't just, like, I can't go to the three movies for the price of one. And I'm not saying I know exactly where the line should be, but all the teams shouldn't be a feeder system for the best 10 teams. Because then it's like, how do you, how do those teams even care? I mean, like, how do you ever dream if you can't dream of winning the national title, if everything goes right, I, I don't know what the point is. Well, and it's how do you get excited when you're if you're not one of the fans of those five teams? How do you get excited when your team gets a great recruiting class and you know after two years Alabama or Georgia or Ohio State's just going to come swoop in and take that guy? Or if it's not a great recruiting class and somehow they do develop something great, hits, yeah, and then, then that's oh, okay. He's good enough now for Alabama, and it's not Alabama's fault. I mean, they're playing by the rules. It's just the rules are screwy. And now they might go to unlimited transfers? Yeah, that's the. we'll, we'll find out in the next week if that's what the NCAA goes to now. Tommy don't like it. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor don't like it. Oh, is that right? I'm, oh, he doesn't well, know. Let's, let's listen to his Alabama All right. take. We'll see. 
Alabama, if you were sick of hearing about them and their success since 2014, since the uh, college football playoff was implemented, don't pay attention to college football this year. They've got top down the most talented team in college football, maybe the best two players in college football with Bryce Young quarterback and Will Anderson on the defensive side of the ball. Likely, if they both stay healthy and perform their their potential, these are probably both top five picks in the NFL draft next year. The difference between Alabama's schedule and Georgia's, Georgia obviously getting the favorable side in the SEC East. Alabama does have some tests. I think they it's it's still a, a two-score win, likely, at Texas, but still a test for them to go to Austin in week two. And then they've got to run the gauntlet on the, the west side. they got to go to Arkansas. They'll play uh, they'll host A&M in, in what should be a massive game for both of those schools. And then later in the year, in November, they have games at LSU and at Ole Miss. There are chances for them. And then obviously they'll close out the year with Auburn. But this team, again, top down. There is so much depth on this team. Heisman front runner at quarterback. This is the favorite by a long shot to win the national championship. And they may very well run the stretch all the way from preseason number one undefeated stretch through the college football playoff would not surprise me at all if this team is 15 and 0 come at the end of the college football playoff and they've won yet another national championship for nick saban okay that does seem like a tougher road no doubt, no doubt. now texas that's out of conference obviously yep. right okay are they doing a home and home or something i think so 15 points though the spread yeah i think i mean I wonder what it would be if it wasn't. I think this Arch Manning thing is thrown. I mean, like we, if Arch Manning hadn't gone to Texas, we'd be looking at this like, how bad are they going to kill Texas? But in truth, he's not there. He's playing. He's a senior in high school. Yeah. Yeah, I, well, Quinn Ewers is a is as big of a recruit as Arch Manning. Yeah, and he's he, just got a different last name. It, no, it, no, there's a difference. He went to a place and was already been beat out. Right. He's already, he's 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 uh damaged goods. I disagree. Well, so him not being better than C.J. Stroud, like well, the, who had that? Who was the higher rated recruit? Quinn Ewers. Okay, but he was younger. All right, and so, couldn't win. So I mean, what I'm saying, you can't say a guy going. I know it doesn't preclude you of from success because Joe Burrow did it. But in general, if you say, hey, that kid, he was a great recruit. He went to another school. Couldn't hack it. He's with us now. You can't say that it's meaningless, right? Because he's got. It's like once you lose once, you've lost. Now, does it mean that you're not good? No, but it means you're not the best. Assuming if that was a fair yeah. competition, right? Now you're saying this guy's a Heisman candidate at High State, so it's not so bad to lose to him. Okay, but you know what? I was talking, listening to Jimbo Fisher on uh, the herd, and he said he's never had. He's he's had like he said seven great players. The, you know, Hall of Fame type. Not one of them ever asked about the other players of the position group. Like when they got recruited? Because mm-hmm. yeah. they think they're the best. It doesn't matter. They, it, I'm their problem. They're not my problem. But apparently not with it. This guy's like, oh, he's C.J. McLeod, McCrube, what I, he's older than me? Ah, I'm in trouble, huh? Oh, he did well this year. I'm heading somewhere else. Doesn't seem like a – I mean, Burrow I like, but does that seem like something Michael Jordan would do? No. What would Jordan do? Is kind of a question we should ask ourselves at every turn. Jordan probably would have beat up C.J. Stroud. Why? To get, sit, get out of get out of my locker room. Except it wouldn't be his <laughs> locker room. Jordan, are, are you are you is Jordan? You hate Jordan like you hate Harden? No. 
Then why are you saying that about Jordan? Like acting like I mean, Jordan's punched teammates before. That's a because he it was his team. Yeah. You want to stay around here? Take a blow. <laughs> so anyway, we've somehow got distracted from my main point. And first of all, you, you, it's or is this Texas's first game or second? Second game. I mean, it's not the time a transfer really shines typically. No. No, I think Alabama torches Texas early. I think this line feels low. Yeah. That's my general point. Continue and wrap. Okay. Will Anderson's the toughest player in the country to block. Last year, 17 and a half sacks, 34 and a half tackles for loss. Probably should have won the Heisman Trophy last year. Uh, Who should have won the Heisman? Will Anderson. When's it? What de- he's, he plays defense? Yeah. Who's the last defender to win it? That wasn't a return. It hasn't happened in a long, long so time. So this this was the you're saying effectively the best defensive player in history. I think he was he was more impactful for Alabama than Bryce Young was last year. And he certainly it, it, how about this? If he shouldn't have won the Heisman, he should have been up there instead of Aiden Hutchinson as the runner up to the Heisman. Because he was he was the best defensive player in the country last year and it wasn't really even close. Was Hutchinson the second? He finished second in the voting, yeah. He was the runner up. How far was the distance between first and second? Okay. Wide. All right. Wide. Uh, but their secondary is going to be elite again. Jordan Battle, Brian Branch, Kool-Aid McKistry, Kyrie Hold Jackson, all return. So he Hutchinson was the highest ranking defensive only player, and Charles Woodson being the exception, yeah. in, in the history. Because, I mean, was there another defensive player even got I don't know if another's two? gotten second, no. Uh, Hugh, I remember Hugh Green. Do you remember Hugh Green? Do you know Hugh Green? I don't think so. And that is so funny how there's a generation gap because you're, you know, a handful of years younger, but you forget or you didn't know. Hugh Green was like a true Heisman. I think he was a finalist, but like the whole season they were touting him. DN from Pitt. Read the Wikipedia. Like yeah, the I, did, I don't remember when Pitt was like a football power. That's I remember why where I, Dan Marino was at. Yeah. Um, Finished second in 1980. Hugh Green. Yeah, he was. I mean, it was three-time like, consensus first-team All-American. Yeah, and second team as a freshman in '77. Think about that. And he went and busted out in the pros like no one's business. I think he went to Tampa, if I remember. Yep, For, yeah. seventh pick of the first round. Yeah, and but, play, but a ten-year career. Yeah, okay, then that's fair. But he never was like he was all. never that dude. Yeah. Well, like, you could. Here's how you can tell his college career in. Uh, page on wikipedia is twice as long as his pro <laughs> career he had a 10-year career yes yeah so that's wow so like literally there's a handful of guys that ever w- were on defense and be second and hutchinson was one of them yeah see more michigan buys it was continue. i think they didn't want two guys from the same school to finish one two. Oh, that's an interesting point continue uh but like taylor said in the in the clip it's just hard to find a loss on their schedule if if at texas where you're a 15 point favorite is one of your Texas was five and seven. If that's one of your tough games, though, eh. and he said at LSU down the road, LSU's no good. LSU's a disaster, too. I, well, it, disaster. They just won the national title a couple years ago. Now they got Kelly. You don't think he's going to turn it around? I don't think, I mean, they were, I don't think he's going to make them better, a, a contender. They were sub 500 last year, too. Still, when you're LSU, you, I mean, they, that had with less miles with different uh, the coaches they've had down years, but it seems like every other, like, that's interesting. What's the worst that LSU has done over two separate seasons where you just look at their best season? Meaning, if you can throw, if you have two seasons and you say, what's the best season of those two? How bad was it? 
right? Were they below 500 two years in a row, for example? That would be like, okay, that was the best of two. Six and seven and five and five the last two years. So it is the last two. Yeah. Okay, before that? that? That's since the uh, the national championship. Now, one's a COVID year, but okay. Uh, before that, you have to go back to the, the late 90s. For, uh, Jerry DiNardo, four and seven and three and eight, two years in a All row. All right, so to have two down years, it's been twenty over 20 years yeah. except for the last two. Okay, maybe they're maybe the coffers are thin. And they had a pretty big exodus. Like the Ed Orgeron, a lot of people were turned off by him. A lot of players left, including a, a guy named Eli Ricks, who was hurt all last season, transfers from LSU to Alabama this offseason. Yeah, it was a like the second-rated cornerback in the country out of high school. Hmm. See, it's funny. Orgeron was known as a player's coach. He was at the beginning, and then they won the championship, and the, I, the team turned on him. The, the fans turned on him. Players turned. Everybody turned on Edo. Do you have any sense from the in, you know insider accounts of what drove it? I heard something he had a girlfriend. I think Edo cared a lot more about other things outside of football. He got his national title and he was, hey, he got paid a lot of money. Got divorced right then. A lot of things changed for Edo after the national title. Ed Orgeron just had some things that he cared about more than football uh-huh. at, at the end. Hey, li- listen, here's the thing. And I'm not saying I know Ed's, um, you know, romantic past, but here's what I know for sure. If you're, they should do a study on this. If you're a guy in high school and you're not getting laid. It gets in the bones in a way that they never really lose. Most, what do you mean? What, what I mean is there's a sense of denial. There's a sense that I want something. My body is telling me in a throbbing way. <laughs> what, you're almost spitting up? It's so funny. <laughs> My body's telling me yes. You're telling me no. Exactly. The world's <laughs> saying No. And the body is throbbing. Some water come out of my nose. It's almost throbbing like like Morse code. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And what happens is some it turns some people mean. I mean, you look at the incels or whatever they're called. It's like the, their whole lives are dominated from rejection, right? And to me, I mean, I would say this: my success even in college was a lot better than high school. Now, some of that was in the early '90s. To whatever degree, the amount of people in kids, girls, you know, in high school in action, I think were different. Though to some degree, they say that's the case now, yeah, because they're all on the internet instead or whatever. But I think there was a time, somewhere after, where there was a lot more. But maybe that's just me trying to feel good. Either way, there wasn't a ton. Like I would say in my class, there was maybe four or five guys. Now remember, we had a class of seventy-two. Okay, there were four or five guys. That were like they had a steady girlfriend for a long time, and they were in action, as you would say. Um, then there was like maybe three or two, three that were just you know going. Or they had they played a game kept called points, where like I think we were like in eighth grade. These guys, and it was like, all right, you kiss them, it's one. You know, f- you know, you can imagine going yeah, yeah. You know, around the bases or whatever. And there's points, and again. I what, man. Did you volunteer to play the game with him? Well, I mean, it would be easy to say zero, <laughs> zero. Oh, wait, there was a one on the 4th of July. <laughs> you know, yeah. No, that wasn't a, that was a losing proposition. Uh, and that was it. Like, literally, I mean, I'm not saying no one ever in a moment, but I'm just saying it was like that was all that was even close to steady. And so you think about it mathematically, let's say there was 36 boys, about 30 of them were mad. Yeah. yeah. And 
then when you end up, now here's the thing. I think a couple of things happen. When I finally figured out the game a little bit and things, you know, different things become like being, you're standing on the football team where I grew up was pretty much was the key. Right? Like none of those guys that were in the mix didn't play football. Now, again, I played. It just it wasn't. It, it, there was no all states or all conferences involved. Feel you there. Right? So, um, but come college, things are a little different. But then there's different types of girls. Because listen, when you only have thirty, let's think thirty six girls. Now, what can you go back a couple classes? You're not going yeah. forward. Guys going forward just weren't happening. I don't know about now. So there might have been a hundred girls even possible. In your pool. Yeah, and. And let's be candid, mathematically, half of them are below average. And I think also, like you growing up in a a smaller town, you know these people your whole life. They know, like, they. The good and the bad. Yeah, they know the good and the bad. A lot of the the best success you have is when you're the new guy. Yeah. Well, maybe not even. But see, that's the thing. For some reason, we never really hung out or had any interaction with other towns. I don't know. It was like. Shady Side was just known, I guess, to some degree as insular. And, you know, like Joey Galloway grew up uh, like five miles from me. And he was a year younger than me. And I knew come his, like, his senior year in high school, he was like, you want to hear something? Wow, Joey Galloway's senior year in high school, they went one and nine. Oh, wow. How can that even happen? And Joey Galloway was a high state receiver that played in the pro, you know, had a good pro career. Now he's on, I guess people all know him because he's on, what, game day? Or, or he does the beat, yeah. the, the playoff Co- show. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we didn't, Blair, Blair was where he was from. We just did not interact with them too much. That's I'm, wild to me. I know. But, um, by the way, my dad, three years varsity on high school, zero wins. They went oh so over his sophomore. He was a virgin when he graduated high school. No, zero wins on his football team. Oh, oh I thought we were talking about. And that. he went to play college football, <laughs> but like zero wins wow. through three years of high school. Where, where did he play in college? Uh, it's, it's now Texas State. It would have been oh, south okay. Southwest Texas then. Yeah, I, actually, I, George's brother was the head coach there when I switched. Oh, okay. He was only, he was there for two years. Uh, there were um, some accusations. A cheerleader. <laughs> Yeah, the, a lot goes on at that school. Is that right? Is that known for that? <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's party school. <laughs> yeah, but it was they went to D one eventually. Yeah. Okay. So uh, see, Texas has a lot of talent down there. Yeah. And I mean, so I guess to finish the point is in general, guys are thinking about. There's a reason cheerleader outfits, for example, are something that obviously a lot of guys find erotic because it's when you are being often being denied. And then you're seeing those, the, and it's like, and this is before like selfies and, you know, all this nude, you know, where I think there's more of that now. You're saying, oh my God, I can see her inner thigh, right? And it was like, yeah. like, especially when you're younger, younger, it's like 14, 15, it's like, and then that's, that's like the epitome of sexuality yeah. in a way. And now listen, for the youngsters out there, to me, it got real simple. The minute you don't care is the minute they, I mean, it's just, if there's any equation, it sounds sad that it's true, but, you know, is if you seem thirsty is what the kids these days say, no one wants to give you any water (laughs) because it's almost by definition, it's like, oh, he wants it too bad. That's a sign of something. Yeah. And you mentioned like in our days, the girls got validation by being, you know, that, that was how they won. Like, oh, okay. By saying no. Yeah. But now they get validation from social media. 
It, like it's. Uh, yeah. I don't even know. You got two. I mean, you got a, a what? A Fourteen-year-old boy. Yeah, fifteen this week. Fifteen and. And ten. Yeah. So I mean, you're right in the middle of it all. So you can let us know. Um, is it true though that the 15 year old has a girlfriend and the parents called and said that they don't want you gawking at her? I mean, was that no? <laughs> False. <laughs> now, how old? Let me that would you. require him having a girlfriend. Oh, he, I thought you said he did. He did. He, he he's oh. had a couple. Are you sure that he had a menage a trois? At that no, he's had. He said a, he he's had, had a couple. He's had a couple of different girlfriends. He's not well, had. I think his long, the story keeps changing, doesn't it? I think his longest relationship. <laughs> his longest relationship so far has lasted about three weeks. So. So he's a chip off the old block. He's uh he's he's searching. Now, what's the mom think of that? Because the moms are always going to be like wanting them to settle down a little bit, even if it's. Dead. I think I think mom would rather him not have a girlfriend at all and just. But what about the throbbing? I mean, at 15, you're taking care of that yourself, aren't you? Oh, and at other ages. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, to finish my story, it's not all about you, AJ. Sorry. It is now your now your kid had it now. Would you say he had a good baseball season? He was a freshman, yeah. right, in baseball, and but he exceeded expectations, right? Yes. Because you weren't. I mean, Texas is just better baseball, though. Yes. Now, how much of it was that? And how much did he take a leap? Do you think? Well, he grew about five inches over so, the course of his freshman year. So it, from uh, the time he's been here a year, he's grown five yeah. inches. Jesus, that's a he, lot. He went from five nine to six two. Jeez. Yeah. And you, uh, now, has there been any like look at his plate to see how much more growing there's going to be? Like doctors can take an X-ray and kind of see. The we growth. haven't taken him in a long time for something like that. But uh, what was his projected height at the last time you knew? It's six five. Okay. So, okay. Okay, so really what you're – but he wasn't particularly huge. Like, as a seventh grader, his size, he was probably taller, but not so much like he'll be when he's 6'5", and the average is like 5'11". Okay, so if anything, his physical skills that were coming came, or his attributes, and he he was able to use them. Because sometimes you put on that height, you get all gawky and stuff. No. Yeah, he was awkward before because he uh, he was tall for his age always. Mm-hmm. But he this is like the first time he's really been less awkward. Like he's he's a better runner. Now. He's a better athlete now. Now, how many kids are in the whole entire high school? Ooh, probably seven hundred. So not a huge high eight hundred something. Like, it's a five A high school. And and the freshman though couldn't play on the varsity team. No. So he, but he was like the best pitcher on the freshman team. Yeah, well, they they had they don't have a freshman team. They only have JV and varsity teams. Okay, so he was playing with sophomores too. Yeah, uh, and he was the best pitcher. Yeah, we want one of the two best pitchers. Yeah, but if the if the game if it was a game seven kind of situation, who was pitching? Mm, at the beginning of the year, it wouldn't have been him. Yeah, at the end of the year, it probably was. All right, and then that means then as a sophomore though, you can play varsity. Yes. And the plan is that's what, like, the coach is probably already sniffing around. Right? I don't think he's going to play varsity this Why? year. Why? Because he's he's the youngest kid in the class. What does Because matter? he's, he, like, he's. I understand. I was September. Yeah, I was September, and I was in high, in kindergarten when I was four, so I get it. I mean, it's still possible, but I, I don't know. Oh, what, so you're saying it would be his choice, or you're saying he might not get chosen? I, if, he's the, if he's the best pitcher on the team, why wouldn't they? Well, here's the other thing that happened. They only graduated three seniors from the oh, baseball okay, program. Okay. I'm thinking they he puts them on, and here's why. I'm just predicting that. I don't even know the guy's name. Is it Tony? My kid? Yeah. No, the, the coach. Oh, yeah, Tony. We'll call him. It's Tony. Okay. Here's what I'm thinking. He knows, especially with that growth spur, you know what I would do? I'd go to the doctor, see what he's, how tall he's supposed to be, just drop it in conversation. Okay. Right? And say, oh, yeah, he's had a growth spur. Apparently... 
you know, I'm no doctor, but uh, he's supposed to be 6'6", I guess, by the time. And now he's thinking, oh, okay, when he's a senior, who knows? Let's get this kid in the mix a little bit. Maybe that's what's going to happen. I was wrong. The school's got 3,000 kids in it. Yeah, I thought the, the number was a little low. Yeah. Um, okay, so big. All right. So, well, geez. I guess but here's the catch-22. If he did go with the varsity and didn't play a ton, what would be better? I think it'd be better for him to play regularly. For on the sure, JV I team. think. But Because baseball doesn't have as much practice. You know, it's like football. It's almost all practice, and you play a game. Yeah. In high school. And his big, like his his class, the class that's about to be sophomores, I think there's 13 or 14 of them that are all in that class. And I think he he wants to play with them. He wants to win. He thinks they're going to win state championship. The coach thinks they're going to win a state championship with that group. You mean eventually? I eventually, yeah. Not, not well, this Having year, a mission like that is great. You yeah, know? no doubt. But, yeah. Kids don't always know what's best for them. They Just don't. like those girls that rejected me. They didn't They know. didn't know. They knew. I think at least one or two of them would have changed, but they would have figured who who cares what he does in ten years. Yeah, they but anyway, to finish the advice, <laughs> and then we'll go into you know I guess the wrap here, and then we got the time time shift. shift yeah, here's what I would say: if you care, it it it, it troubles people, girls. It does. It's now once they care, then they want you to care more than anything because now they're at risk. But before that, they don't want thirsty. Mackenzie, you're closer to the scene in some ways. Would, would you agree with that? You are not lying. And you are thirsty. Now, you're, like a, you're like a man in the desert, right? I've held it back. That's it. You know what's funny? I mean, I would say this. Of the discipline you've shown romantically, as in, hey, I'm going to go to a birthday party. If you put these two areas of discipline against everything else, it's like a mountain and a molehill, Right. Number one is doing things you don't want to do, like going to someone's birthday party, her friends going away. Going to a wedding. All right. How big is that mountain in, I'm, your, in your dating history? Not, not that bad. Really? So you haven't had, you haven't been dragged. They didn't really like him then. They didn't even want him to do the thing. No, that it's just I, you know, I'll, I'll grit and bear it. I'll grit and bear it. But bearing it is the point I'm saying is it's, it takes effort. Yes. So why are you denying it? I was thinking that compared to the effort of not seeming thirsty. In the no, beginning. I said these two things versus everything else. <laughs> okay. So let's try it again. How big is that mountain of grinning and bearing it? Mount Safufi, uh, one of the big mountains. Okay, thank you. <laughs> and then how big is it of trying to act like you don't care as much as you do? A bigger mountain. Yeah, his whole life. Now you, I, see, that's the thing. A guy like him can form for a while. But they don't get fooled in the end. They know deep down. Oh, look, you just showed you care. I'm out of here. <laughs> you, you had they, had, they were looking for signs of you caring, and they weren't finding them. I didn't care very much. And that was the point. That's yeah. why they want, it, that's the sad, that's all you got to know. I need to know. I'm right telling now. you now, my older son cares a lot more than my younger son. Uh-huh. And my younger son has chicks pay, posting TikTok videos about how they're, they're in love with him. Well, he's, he's the, like, the younger one has ugh. like, the, the younger, <laughs> Gross. the younger one had, has the um, kind of like the J- you know James Dean is it? But he kind. If anyone watched uh, Gilmore Girls, there was uh, there was Dean, and Dean was Rory's like first girl boyfriend, and he was like tall and you know the perfect guy. And then there was uh, oh what was his name? I haven't watched the show for a while. Um, but there was a uh, oh god, 
he was a short dude. It was like the dude who ended up being in a couple. He was remember Rocky Balboa, mm-hmm. where Rocky was, um, you know, owned the restaurant, and he, and his kid was kind of drifting. Yeah. From, that kid is the kid that was the you know the bad boy on the uh, on Gilmore Girls. Uh, Jess, Jesse. Okay. It was his name was Jess. They called him, and. Um, Jess was like writing poetry. He was doing like, you know, he was like, you know, egging houses because they were capitalist, you know, that kind yeah, of crap. Yeah. And Rory just was always a good girl. And then the bad boy shows up and she couldn't resist. There's nothing better than a bad boy for these girls who isn't really bad. Meaning if he's really bad, he's in, you know. He's in juvie. He's in juvie. <laughs> they don't want any of that. They want the bad boy that seems bad. Mine presents bad, but isn't really bad. That's, that's a deadly combo. He's got a mullet. He rides a skateboard. I, I oh, think they love that, too. Your favorite thing about him has seen every episode of Family Ties ever. But here's the thing. It's not that I love Family Ties. I do like that show. But it's the fact that he thought, to, like a lot of people, would kids would say, oh, that's it's old. old. Yeah. What's the point? No, he's saying there's, there's virtue there. Yeah. If he keeps growing in this direction, I might let him have like a weekly lunch with me. Okay. You'd have to pay. Okay. But it would, <laughs> and in the long run, it would be really good for him. In the short run, it could be disastrous. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think you I'll just check got, with his mom. You just got to hold out hope. <laughs> All right. Anything else in Alabama? No, that's it, man. Maybe we got to give him something because we gave all this and now we're going to a button. Now from here, it's going to be the time shift. What? Let's think of this. Is there a magic? Oh, let me ask you a question. This will be the last thing. Nick Saban's chirping a lot about he doesn't like the new setup. Now I get it. When you're the yeah. cha- when you're the king, you don't you want, want things to change. You want the same rules, but it does seem like it's particularly poorly suited. Where if the amount of local money drives the name, image, likeness, revenue, and you're competing against Texas oil money in Alabama, that does seem particularly bad. Do you, how quickly do you think that becomes a factor? I think it takes a couple of years. I think it takes until Alabama falls off from a football standpoint. I, how, about, how about I say it this way? I don't think Nick Saban ever deals with it. By the time it really affects Alabama, Nick Saban will be gone. I personally think this expedites his, his departure. I could see that. Because he's not going to want – listen, he'll be the – what other coach left on top? That didn't go to the NFL or whatever. That they retired okay. on top. And I'm not saying one year. Like, you could say Osborne. And maybe Osborne's the answer. Urban Meyer? Oh, God. He was never really on top. I'm, I'm talking about, like, one of the greats. Urban Meyer's never going to be one. The only thing that gives Urban Meyer that is he did it in three. You know, there's the legend of Bowling Green or whatever. Yeah. That, or I guess Utah. He did it in four places. You know. I, Pete Carroll did it, but he did it for he, won't, he jumped to the pro. His own reasons. Yeah. But now he but now he's done but now he's gonna be probably mediocre on the way out here. Yeah. Chuck Noll was mediocre for a decade. I mean, you look at Belichick, that's another thing. If he can really turn, you know, even get a to a conference championship game with Mac Jones, it will be like, you know, usually historically these coaches, I mean, Bear Bryant, they was wheel they were wheeling him out. Yep. I mean, Saban is still probably the best coach in the country. I agree. And I mean, who has been almost seventy and been the best coach in the country? Joe Paterno, maybe? Oh, I don't know. Paterno had some bad years at the end. I mean, forgetting the whole country. Yeah. You know. I don't know. All I'm saying is I don't think Saban wants to be, like, number 12. And oh, I agree. Year. And I think he might have went a lot longer than we thought. Or this could be a challenge that he's going to still win this way. 
I'll give it right now. I think Alabama over Texas. Alabama minus 15 at Texas. A little bonus best bet? Yeah. I've got a real best bet, too. If you Well, if, then I guess when I said, is there anything else? And you said, You said no. anything else on Alabama. Oh, well, what the, what's this? Oh, so this is another school? Another school. So this is worth it, and this is the last thing we'll do. But first. Pick a winner. Oh, wait. That's true. True. Pick a winner. But also. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Fire up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. My best bet, don't be thirsty like McKenzie. But your best bet. Wisconsin Badgers under nine wins. Graham Mertz is at quarterback again. And that stinks for Wisconsin. Was bad last year. Everybody said, oh, he's going to take the step. No, he's not taking the step. Didn't take it last year. Not going to take it this year. Luckily, last year, Wisconsin found something to cover it up in Braylon Allen, who ended up being one of the best running backs in the Big Ten. That was enough to keep him afloat. Consistently forced eight men in the box. Guess what? Graham Mertz still couldn't take advantage of it. Allen's back. Nothing says the passing game's going to improve. In fact, the Badgers lose their three best receivers. The defense loses eight of its top ten tacklers from last year. They're going to feel a drop-off after a really strong defensive showing last year, and scheduling did no favors. Their road dates cross-conference to the other division, Ohio State and Michigan State, and then they get home against Maryland. It's a high-flying uh, high offense. It's going to be hard for them to keep up with. There are seven defenses on the schedule that can't defend the run, those are the games the Badgers can win. The rest of the opponents are going to force Mertz to complete passes on third down. Badgers ranked outside the top 110 in that stat again last year. They've got no wiggle room. Their toughest division games are on the road against Iowa and Nebraska. I don't see a world where Wisconsin can get to 10 wins. So Wisconsin right, let's, under let's nine. go crazy now. So it's under nine. So they have to win eight or less for you to cash. Yes. All right. And they're playing 12. They're playing 12. And you're saying there's three really tough games? Or how many tough, really tough games? I, I mean, Ohio State on the road yeah, is yeah. almost impossible. Oh, I understand. Who, who uh, at Michigan State is tough. Home against Maryland. At Iowa. At Nebraska. That's right, their so tough games. you're saying there's five. At Nebraska, have they won more than half their games for a while? No, they've not. Okay. So what you're saying is... The, the question is, if they lose the games they're supposed to lose, they win the games they're supposed to win, I'm assuming that gets them to nine, it sounds like? Yes. Okay. And you're saying, but here's the thing, isn't Wisconsin the type of team like Georgia that they're going to beat the team? Could this be a situation that you're almost that they get that nine happens like an inordinate amount of time, but then they have a better chance to win 10 than win eight? Because that's ultimately the point, right? Whenever they win nine, you get your money back. Do they have a better chance to win 10 or win 8? I think they have a much better chance to win 8, in my opinion. All right. Best bet from AJ. Okay, now here's the thing. Coming up, we got some discussions of music, art, culture, and such. But, you know, with curse words, probably. <laughs> uh, that was a time shift. Okay, so this came out on Thursday, whenever you're listening. The day before on Wednesday, we came out with the normal pod. That's every Wednesday. Now, at least until the start of the football season, then we're going to flip it for NFL. But you'll worry about, you know, once the games start, we'll tell you. We're going to, like, last year's schedule. But as of now, next week, we're going to have another college pod, which will come out on Thursday morning. And we're going to be going through each conference and making some picks. Looking forward to it. All right. Here comes the extended version. Talk to you soon. Hmm. But you know that phenomenon, right? Yeah, but I think there's, well, there's no yeah but. Yeah, there is. No, there is once no you yeah, hear a song but. enough times, it gets old. But it what goes I'm downhill. That, ta- that of all the songs I've ever heard in my life, there might be ten songs that reach that level. I mean, like 
you th- there's more for you? Oh, yeah. Like, I hear songs on the radio, and I'm like, okay, but that's you didn't ca- like him to start with that's that. That's a catchy song, and then I'll like it a few times, and then, like, after five or six times, like, okay, I don't well, like this song. You're in a very different place than most people. Most people, they're skeptical. If it's not their kind of music to start with at the beginning, and then after, like, seven or eight, it starts to be, you know, the chorus, it's catchy. Then I think somewhere out there, I don't know. And it probably is about how much you intrinsically would like the song before you get tired of it. But like when there was a summer, you remember when you were running around the summer and always listening to the radio, let's say pre, you know, iPod or whatever, is the summer, two or three songs of the summer, you weren't tired of them at the end of the summer. You loved them. Like, I'll give you an example. I, for some reason, I was listening, I never listened to Top 40, hardly at all. But one summer I was listening to some countdown. I don't know if it was Casey Kasem. And, like, I still remember, like, there's a couple of the songs that were always high that summer. It was, uh, let's think about this. It was Don't You Want Me Baby. <laughs> uh, you know that song? Don't you want me, baby. Exactly. I was working as a waitress in a yeah. cocktail bar when I met you. I mean, great song. I mean, I still like that. I, I, about once a year, I'll go back and listen to that. And then um, The Other Woman. Was uh, it was called I'm in love, I'm in love with the other woman. I don't remember life. that one. Oh, oh, okay. And then <laughs> at some point in the pod, at an unexpected point, I'm gonna I'm gonna just insert the Okay, other. I'm I'm with this. And and to, uh, another one, I you know, I never realized the Jay Giles band was really like in its way hip. Mm-hmm. It just was an old band to me, but like Centerfold, I love Freeze Frame. You know those songs? Yeah. I, yeah, I don't. I don't know what songs you got tired of. Like I get tired of like Black Dog or something because I've heard Zeppelin. Like I love Zeppelin, but I don't want like I don't want to hear Black Dog or Rock and Roll. I want to hear you know when the levee breaks or whatever. Yeah, I think maybe it's a difference of when we grew up because Top Forty was so like in MTV was turning to Top Forty when I was in high school. Like it stopped being straight rock like it was when I was younger. And th- there was songs, and I remember some, like there's some songs. The song that came out like when I was in high school by a band called Third Eye Blind, called Semi Charmed Life. Have you ever heard this song? I don't know. Maybe. Okay, I still it. hear I've it. Heard it. I still hear it now, and I'm like, yeah, oh, that's I've a heard good, it. Okay. That's a good song. All right. A song that came You're out around the, point. A song that came out around the same time was uh, called Walking on the Sun by a band called Smash Mouth. And at the time, I was like, oh, that's a pretty good song. Now, if I hear that, I'm like, oh, my but, God, but, that's a terrible what we're song. Saying is, you said the fifth or sixth time that you heard it. If anything, the fa- you're talking about a whole other phenomenon. Okay. You're talking about that you were caught in okay, in a way you're making my point. You're saying you're caught up in the moment. It's not your intrinsic kind of song you're going to like. At its, its merits aren't what you're going to love, its characteristics. But because it's being played so much in a given summer, you get caught up in it. It's familiar. Then when you hear it removed from that context, you're like, what the hell was I thinking? But you know what's funny? If you heard it another 10 times, you'd like it again. That's what happened. Now, there is also change of taste. But you said the fifth or sixth time. Okay. Usually, it only is up. How many times? What's the most, the movie you've watched the most in your life? That gets interesting because there are rare movies that I think... I can deal with on repetitive viewing. They're usually the movies I don't like as much because in a way, let's say The Godfather. I love The Godfather. Just couldn't watch it a hundred times. I could, but I would ruin it for myself. Meaning it's like every time you watch it, it gets diminished, diminished, diminished to the point where if you start going, it's like if you, a food you like, if you ate, 
I don't you like mac and cheese. What, sure. All right. If you ate mac and cheese every day for like a year, you, you'd ruin mac and cheese for yourself. So I, I used to work at Baskin Robbins. I hardly eat ice cream anymore. Oh, well, how old were you when you ate at Baskin Robbins? I was 16. And but you were an you were an athlete, so you weren't really putting on weight. You were just eating a bunch, and it was fine. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't gain weight. And well, you don't have that problem now. Now I don't have that problem. <laughs> now. <laughs> All right. So to answer your question about the movies, you know what? This is a show, but this is the most rewatchable. You know, remember Bill Simmons has the whole the Ringers got the rewatchables, which is a whole podcast about movies that. Are, are able to rewatch the second time and you can keep enjoying it or whatever. The most rewatchable TV series or movie I've ever seen is Entourage. I can watch Entourage. I've probably seen Entourage seven or eight times all the way through, and I could watch it right now all the way through. And it's because it's almost like a music video is what I figured out. Because you can live with it. You don't have to watch it to watch it. You can yes. live with it in the background. I agree with that. It's also, there's the plot beats, and then there's mo there's set up, and like drama is so great. And it just, I don't know if I understood it fully, but like literally if you told me you could randomly turn on the TV and watch something, or watch Entourage. That's your only two choices. A random generation of a channel that that is going to be could be MTV, could be ESPN, it could be whatever. But what are there hundreds of stations, right? Sure. Or Entourage for the next five years. Meaning I could never watch anything else except one of those two. But only the one you choose. I'd pick Entourage and not even blank. So you're saying every day it won't change to a different channel? It would, but once a day. Oh, I would much rather take the, the everyday change. That's thing. why I'm saying that, that, that the odds are what I would find that was new, or not fine, but what would be randomly decided that was new over there, most likely, is not going to be as good as like the 50,000, you know, the 500th time I'm going through Entourage. Really? Yeah, I just think it's, I love that show. I, I, I mean, you've seen it, right? Yeah. I love that. J Vinny Chase, baby. Yeah. Now, I hate E. He's such a smuck. He's like five foot four. Yeah, he's very tiny. He's got platform shoes and he's like five five. Yeah. Drama is one of the greatest characters in the history of television. A phenomenal character. I agree. Now, some of this might be that 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 turtle, you know, uh, which Jerry, right? That you know, we've had, you know, we're casual friends where you know I got to know him when we I did the ballers thing. He was, you know, because he's good friends with the guy Levinson that that was he was a showrunner of both shows, and. Uh, I would say one of my greatest, in fact, my greatest moment of, you know, fame, what I'm notoriety, fame is not the right word, but was when I was, I, w I, w I went to LA for the ballers closing party. It was the rap party. They invited me, you know, it was fun. That was all right. But the next day, Levinson, who's the guy that, that uh, he partners with Marky Mark, Mark Wahlberg, and they do a lot of those. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's a very successful guy. So in Beverly Hills, he invites me over, and he says, yeah, Jerry's going to come over. So it's me and Jerry, you know, Turtle, mm -hmm. and uh, Thin Turtle, and, and, and Levinson, Lev as they call him. And I started asking him about Entourage. And Jerry goes, no, he doesn't like these questions. And I said, all right, well, I'm going to keep asking. Eventually, we spent like 90 minutes talking about the minutia of Entourage. Like I said, in, th in the third season, why'd you do this? And he was answering and Jerry goes, RJ, my whole life I've never seen him do this. So he was in the mood, whatever it was. So, like, imagine a show you love and the guy who literally was the art tour of it, I don't, you know, if that's the right way to say it, but he 
answered those questions. He was so generous. And it was just, to me, it was like, okay, this is why I, I want to be successful so I can have this conversation. I think you have <laughs> one of the best detail-oriented memories. Like, you remember little bits and pieces of television shows or movies. And, you, like, we talk about movies and TV shows a lot, like, off off the air. And you'll say, you remember when? And I'm like, no. And I like, and you'll say, well, haven't you watched it? I've, I've watched it twice. I don't remember every little... You remember some things. But here's what's funny. You're right, but I can't remember a guy's name. And you can tell it to me, and then the next day I'll go, that dude... So, it's Trevor Bauer today. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to me, I... It, to me, it's pattern recognition. Like I've watched enough TV that 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 the end movies that the plots and everything go into a pattern that is easy to remember because I know the construct of it. If you give me something in the abstract, like a name that I've got no connection to, my brain automatically just dumps it out the back end. It doesn't care about it. It wants to find patterns, which is why you say, oh, your superpower is looking at a sheet and finding the one mistake. Because it I, is. Because it, it's a pattern. I see the pattern, and I see the one thing. Like, I'm the, like, I've been trying to hang a mirror for about nine months. It's just not exactly level. And this is like a 60-pound mirror. So every time you pick it up, you know, you're putting it on, and, it, and then it's off by like half a bubble. And I'm like, screw it, because I've been on it for three hours or something. I'll go, screw it. Then I'll walk down the next morning and look at it and go, i got to fix that thing. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's, it, it can be good. It can be bad. Okay. But I, I see the things being off, you know. That's why I don't look in the mirror too much. Then it's like, oh, geez, look, you know. It's like, no, I'll just skip it. I like it's not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we have time shifted this. But now here's your chance to shine. Now, we did the top. Uh, we did 10 through 6. Yep. You want to hit us with those? Miami 10, Oklahoma 9, Texas 8, Notre Dame 7, Utah 6. Okay, that's the prior college football preview that's available right now. If you missed it, double back. It was quite good. You had a best bet. We, we had all kind of good stuff. Now we're doing 5, 4, 3, 2, and 1. But you know what's funny? I didn't tell the story that I was starting to say. that I said WDVE. <laughs> yeah. Remember? We, yeah. The whole point. This one is 30 seconds, so this is the, the, the choice Maybe we just cut. don't time shift it. This is, no, no, no. This is the choice <laughs> cut. <laughs> That's funny. Is I'm a huge Zeppelin fan. And I remember DV was doing the Memorial Day fi- uh, 200 or I think it was 500. 500 songs from like Friday through Monday. So they had it timed where like Monday about 5 o'clock it was going to be number one. They right? just did that here in Vegas. Oh, did the they? The classic rock station did. Oh, okay. Now I want to hear what was number one. But this this year, so this would have been like maybe 94, maybe, maybe 93. So this would have been like I was just, you know, at the end of college kind of thing. And I was at a picnic with my buddy, Georgia. A Greek picnic was always on Memorial. I guess Memorial Day, right, is early. And, uh, you know, eating the kebabs and all that, the baklava. And uh, I'm quite a fan of the Greek cuisine. Oh, yeah. And, um that or, or they're going five, four, three, two, one, like you know, free bird or something's like number two. And then for number one, after the whole weekend of waiting, they go and number one once again. And then you hear the beginning of Stairway. <laughs> and it's like, talk about how badass a song is. Yeah. Is that, that after the whole countdown, it's like, once again, number one. <laughs> a shocking development. No, no, who was one on this one? Uh, Nirvana, it smells like Team Spirit. <sighs> that would be a good number two. 
I think uh, Stairway was number two, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, well, that's a dispute. Well, first off, Stairway and still be number two tells you something uh, right no, there. No, yeah, for sure. Because <laughs> if you really think about it, if you grew up in the 90s or, you, you know, the late 80s, rock and roll really started. You could make the case, let's say, the. I mean, again, we can debate Chuck Berry. We can debate um, Elvis. I don't think Elvis was rock and roll, at least as I see it. All right. It was something different. And I'm not diminishing Elvis. Okay, well, listen, if we want to start a pod about pop culture, we've got the beginnings of it. I don't think so necessarily, but it's here if you want it. Now, next week, this is simple. We're going to have another college football preview. We're going to go over all the conferences. You're going to give a best bet in each and probably more. And as you recall, every Tuesday we tape and it releases Wednesday, the normal podcast with Fez and everything, every week. Although that's going to change soon. We're going to move that back to Wednesday to start football season. Yeah, but not I mean, in weeks and weeks. Okay. Right? So I think in general, when they, we'll do that the first week, there's games. Because the only value of it is we need an extra, ex, you know, an extra 24 hours to get all the good info for Wednesday. So until there's games, why do it? Okay. All right, so that, that's, that's good you brought it up. It will stay with a Wednesday release, Wednesday morning, all the way through until the week of the first games. When that Wednesday hits where the game's on Sunday so, or the Thursday is the next, you know, is the kickoff, that's when we're going to move to Thursday morning and college will be before. So really, college and pro is going to flip-flop once there's pro games. Got that, AJ? Got it. All right, stay tuned. Talk to you then.